When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This is Izzy and Kempi for breakfast on SENZ. Well done by Barrett. Committed himself and uh, dragged it in. Now, here is Williams. Gave a little kick. Very clever. Dags found another gear. He's all right. No problems. Israel Dag. What would you do? Would you be so bold and make it new? Again, attacking with Scotland, a man down in defence, and through goes Carter so easily. Lovely ball, lovely try for Israel Dag. Now Cowan again, Dag. Dag. Beautiful run, Israel Dag. Still going. Israel Dag. Oh, what a try. Well, I know you like picking it up first thing in the morning. Good morning, Israel Dag, because guess what, brother? It's your birthday. It's your birthday. (laughs) And guess what? It's your life day, because today we've put together a few little clips to celebrate. I know you don't like celebrating, but you know, you do it once a year. We're going to give you a bit of a shout out. And I'll tell you what, one thing I did notice... I can see why Les Kiss, who was a winger, was a defensive coach for South Africa, because they couldn't tackle. <laughs> nah, brother, happy oh. birthday. How are you feeling this morning, mate? And I looked at those balloons that you got post up on your back of your, back of your, your sends, oh. your sends uh, um, thing at the back there, and I actually thought they were those emojis that you post up when you have a, like a photo in your camera, but they're actually real. <laughs> they're real, mate. Look, honestly, thank you for that. I said a new song, not throw some highlights in there. Come on, man, that stuff. I appreciate it. Appreciate it. Yeah, yeah, it's my birthday. 35 today and um, getting close to the to the 40. But I've walked in Kempi and Rick Dog and Kez. And um, they say it takes a village. And, well, they, I've got a very special village at my house. And um, it's pretty cool. It's pretty cool, Mandy. Um, she lives out the back. I've known Mandy since I moved down here. She's... Tilly's godmother, and um, she's a very, very close friend. She's like a sister to me. And uh, she, when I moved down, she's a massage therapist here for the Crusaders, and uh, we just, yeah, become best mates. You know, love and hate each other all the time, arguing, always get into her, but that's what you want from Fano. Anyway, I walked in, and um, she's just gone real Mandy-like, and <laughs> she she's has. put up all this stuff around my <laughs> workstation. I'm like, walked in. The worst thing. I don't know if it's the worst thing, but the, the thing is, she's coming here. She's giving me a packet of pineapple Ooh. lumps. Ooh. That was that was Rick Dog groaning. <laughs> that was just my stomach was involuntary. <laughs> I've got some M and M's coconut bounty flavour because if you know Dagger, I love a bounty, and I've got some 
Whitaker's peanut slabs because she knows I'm a peanut slab man and a flake. Oh, so if this is anything to go by for today, I'll be eating horrible and uh, putting all that weight on that I lost. But what, um, what actually here happens? You go. What actually happens in the in the dag household, mate, on a birthday like an Izzy dag? We we know with the with the with the wives, it's probably a <laughs> wedding party. But what what actually happens, mate? Like, do you actually like can you just run us through like what your morning will be like? Like, what's your breakfast? Pancakes or. Um, I'd say Mandy would probably make me some breakfast. She'll probably bring me a smoothie or something. Um, look, it's pretty relaxed, Kimpy. It's a Tuesday. It's the middle of the week. And I, I, my wife asked me, well, what do you want to do for your birthday? I said, oh, no, nah, I'm pretty pretty chill. Just just chill out with you. And kids are going to, um, you know, going to school today. And once they get home, we'll have a nice little family moment. And just going to go out for dinner with the kids. Like She was like, do you want to go out with heaps of your friends and have dinner? I said, nah, just just go out with the kids and... Uh, Go somewhere nice at around five thirty, and get home and and enjoy it with the kiddies. So pretty relaxed, Kimpy. Oh, I'd say the fortieth will be the one that you got you boys are gonna fly down to because we'll, yeah. we'll put on a show. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I booked the pool house already. All right, it's five, five years out. <laughs> <laughs> Enough will be on this station in five years, but anyway, hopefully. <laughs> oh, enjoy, but, um, mate. Yeah, enjoy. Cheers for that, lads. Cheers for that, yeah. Just another day, you know how it is, boys. It gets a bit bit old when you get a little bit old, eh? You like that one? Yeah. It's just another day, really. Yeah, just another day. Yep. You're only as old as you've... Yeah, well, we can't go there. Um, <laughs> mate, <laughs> mate, those, I remember the thir- those 30s, they're, uh, they're good years, they're those 30s. Where was Tony? Where was Tony oh, at mate. 35 years of age? I was picking up the pieces. Tell us it. On my birthday, I just got sacked from the Warriors, so... <laughs> On my thirty fifth. Um so it was, oh, no. <laughs> that was a good that was a good period of my life, them 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 years coming straight out of uh playing into coaching, is he? But um yeah, mate, I'd give like I'd give anything to go back then. Uh I was I was on the surfboard hard back then too, you know, like chasing waves all all around the country because 'cause I'd been over in England for seven years, so um I was enjoying that part of it. I remember going down Taranaki. I still I still think about those days now. Where the uh, the you know Warakaio was going off, or the coast was going off, and you're down there surfing, and yeah. Um, but those are those are your third mate. Before you, I'll tell you one thing. I never ever thought about this because you, when you when you're growing up, you 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 can't wait to be an adult. Are eh? you saying, man, I can't wait to hurry up and be an adult, grow up, and it takes forever to get there. But then all of a sudden you go right. I'm a footballer, and then you're retired. The next mm. 20 years goes really quick, mate. So slow down. That'd be my advice. Slow down. <laughs> enjoy every moment of it before, yeah, not just celebrating your 40th, you're celebrating your 50th. Uh, and then the years are, are rolling by. They're just a, a, a quick, oh, they get they get quicker, I reckon, as you get older. So, um, mate, enjoy today. I'm, I know that uh, mm. I know Mandy well, and mate, she does. She sport. I'll tell you right now. She, if you don't know Mandy, get on Izzy's uh, Instagram page, and you'll see Mandy. She's giving him a rub, and she's feeding him <laughs> left, right, and centre. And uh, she's a she's a lovely, lovely lady. And of course, Daisy. I know Daisy, mate. She'll be cooking up a storm today. I wonder what she's got. She's got. She's uh, actually. She's actually doing something special. So she, I told you about her food page, eh? Yeah, yeah. Everyday Simple. 
Go have a look at it. It's pretty cool. She does some really cool um, food. Anyway, she's she's going to use uh, my good friend Grace and myself as a dummy today, and she's making up this really good Japanese dish at lunchtime. Oh, so yum. that'll be my lunch. <laughs> <laughs> so oh, I'll put some good. socials up at, at lunch, and I'll put on our SC, uh, SCNZ Breakfast um, Instagram page as well, and take a good look because <laughs> it's um, – that's pretty bloody good. I spoke to you about the cornflake uh, thing that she. I don't know where. What is it, lads? Like, yeah, I don't know about you boys. You, you obviously can cook. You're very good, but you're probably like myself—a simple meat spud and brock kind of setup. You know, we don't have any inspiration, any um, any wild imagination. <laughs> These girls—they just come up with something out of absolutely nowhere. It's all about. Just dedicating time to it, eh? Like, I'm in a rush. I want to eat it. I want to get it done down my throat. <laughs> but the ladies, they just take their time, and, man, they produce some gems. They, they do. <laughs> they, actually, that's a great question for Rick, because, you know, Rick looks like he knows how to cook a good meal. Um, like myself. <laughs> know how to eat one. <laughs> <laughs> what's your go-to, Rick? Like, what's your, like your, your wife's birthday, and you've actually got to get in the kitchen, mate. You've got no choice. Like what's your what's your go to? Oh, my go to is usually a bolognese. <laughs> of course. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. I've, I've always been. Uh, I make a I make a pretty good bolognese. Apparently, like the old lady's Italian, so I learned. Oh, and, you nice. Know, yeah, so yeah, I I learned from uh, from the best. Proper tomato like, proper tomato paste. You, yeah, you boil yeah. your own tomatoes yeah. down. None of that Dolmio grin stuff, oh, mate. Okay. You make your own sauce and do all that stuff. So yeah, yeah. So that'd be my go to. That's your potluck when we yeah. have a potluck. You bring them that. It's funny though because my missus, her thing is when she gets home from work, her unwind is to cook. Like so, she likes to cook. Yeah, yeah. It's like so, yeah. it's very rare that I get a chance because like I'm like, oh well, that's your thing if that's what you want to do, oh. you know. <laughs> please, please, don't we love it? Please. Don't we love it, Rick? Have <laughs> <at> it. <laughs> to the point, that, lo- but <laughs> to the point that my daughter doesn't think I can cook, and like Rachel was actually having that conversation with her the other day. She goes, "No, Dad can cook," <laughs> and she's like looking at her like, "Whatever." <laughs> oh mate, the worst thing ever! I thought I, you know, I'd make my daughter some toast, and the first thing she says to me, she's like, "Dad, now don't burn the toast." And, I'm like, <laughs> and that's that's a true sto- that's a true story. When I when I was down there, when I was down there, I walked in the kitchen when she said it, and Dad, don't burn the toast. <laughs> he's like, didn't oh, you have to make them for her? Yeah, didn't I, mean, you I ended make up. Them- so she wouldn't eat them. Well, because you put them on her plate burnt, and she's sitting there, and she's just looking at them. And I went, Tills, do you want some more toast? And she's just like, yep. <laughs> she don't, uh, mate, kids don't say that unless they, you know, kids are so honest, they don't just come up with stuff. So when she says, yeah. when Tills says, don't burn the toast, Dad, she means like, seriously, you keep burning my toast, Dad, stop it. <laughs> well, you know how you put them in the toaster, and then you're like, you know, you get distracted. Easily blokes, uh, you, you, you know, you lads. Are, you know you what are it is. Distracted. Yeah. <laughs> and then I walk off, and I'm like, "Oh no, get back!" The toaster's cooked an extra couple of minutes, and it's cold. So you know, the butter doesn't melt. Oh, it's an absolute <laughs> shambles. But anyway, boys, it's uh, it's a big day, a cool day. But um, yeah, we'll rip into it. what do we got coming up? We're going to be talking plenty of sport, and we got Kempy. Yeah, we got Steve Borton coming out of uh, the French Open, which we're watching at the moment. Schwartek is up four-one against uh, Susan Orenko. Mm. Um, and she's just taken a bit of a break, actually, Sharenko, with a – it looked like she was just getting her blood pressure taken. Um, she, but she's back out on court now, uh, so we'll catch up on that. It's looking like uh, a pretty good 
uh, semi-final coming up between a couple of good blokes that we know, but we'll wait for that. Uh, we got some basketball hopefully coming up out of 7, 7.40 uh, or just after 8 o'clock. It's just depending on what time we can grab that um, that talk because the heat they put on a show yesterday. Ooh. And if you watch that, the, nugget, the Nuggets, I thought they were cruising, mate. I thought the Nuggets were going to hit another gear, but unfortunately for them, uh, the heat, they were just on fire, sinking some some really big shots late in that fourth quarter, and they just couldn't get that extra time out with the last shot of the game. So we'll catch up, hopefully, with someone out of the States in and around the NBA. But this is the big call coming out of uh, Sydney only yesterday, was that uh, the Blues look like they're in turmoil as far as the selections go, with Nathan Cleary mm. out for six weeks, ruled out for six weeks with a hamstring injury, and going into a game two, which they must win uh, for a number of reasons. Freddie Fittler, I think, his head's on the chopping block. Uh, and the thing with Freddie, uh, with Nathan Cleary is if you move Nathan Cleary, how many more changes have to be made given the fact that uh, he's relied so heavily on that pen spine. So we'll talk to Lowy about that after 8 o'clock. Uh, and of course, Lowy wouldn't care because he's a Queenslander. So we've got all that. <laughs> Paulie Mawadi coming up. I might have a first starter on Thursday too, boys. So we might uh, we might just leave oh, that one until yeah, tomorrow. Yeah. We'll find out what's going on. Wait till it comes and... out and then you tell us and then we get on and I'll... then you tell everyone. No, no, I'll tell you. <laughs> I am actually, if, if, if we are going to go, I'll tell you first before we tell everyone because we know all yep. the boys listening into this station, they'll shorten it right up. But, yeah, no, it's an, another big day. And, and, of course, mate, we've got plenty of clips of uh, – your fantastic career, mate. Some of those tries that you scored. <laughs> Man, enough. let's take a trip down memory lane, Rick Dog, eh? Yeah, we've got plenty of those. Kez has done a great <laughs> job. So we'll be uh, we'll be revisiting uh, Izzy's career right throughout the morning on the day of his 35th birthday. It's going to be Your awesome. Your poor ears. <laughs> Your poor ears. Sorry, <laughs> listeners. Oh, it's going to be so good. It's going to be so good. Uh, make sure you stay tuned for that one. Maybe let us know on double eight double three what your favourite Izzy Dad cry was. Actually, we'll see if we can find it for you uh, and play it back because we've got a few lined up, mate. But uh, it is now time for this. Can't wait question of the day. Can't wait question of the day. Patrick Tuipilotu played 80 minutes for the Blues against the Highlanders. At some stage, he broke his arm. He's now out for six weeks. He played with a broken arm for some period of time. I don't know if, if that's tough or stupid, mm. but there you go. Uh, he did it. Uh, Leon McDonald afterwards said he, they weren't sure when he did it. But uh, that's gonna be, he's, he's going to be pretty tough. Uh, so who that's is the tough. hardest mm. bugger you know? Who is the hardest Ooh, bugger you know? That, that is, is our can't wait really question good, of the day. That is a really good question. And I, I read that about um, the young man, uh, Tupelotu, too, playing the whole 80 minutes with a broken arm. I've seen it done a, a few times mm. in my career. Um, and it, look, when, it, when, when he said, look, he didn't even know it was it was broken, like, that's tough. I don't know how many. I've actually broken my arms, I reckon, six times. Um, mm. Four on my right, two on my left during my career. Um, and they, they, they don't tickle. You know what I mean? When you're carrying them around, especially in a game, you do try and carry it around for a while in a, in mm. a football game, but depending on your tackle technique, uh, and I had a swinging arm tackle technique, so mine always hurt if I hit someone with them. Um, you, mate, they, they're really, really sore. But the toughest, I've got to say, is he one of the my very first years in playing the NRL, there was this guy, Manly, and his name was, <laughs> given, given his name, I should have known, Mark Brokenshire. <laughs> That's what his name was, Mark Brokenshire. Yeah. And I was playing fullback, and Anthony Butterfield, 
and David Boyd hit him at the same time. He was a front row. I played for Manly. Ran into him. I heard his. I heard his arm snap. Oof. Because um, I was right behind the line, and, and back in those days, they were called the Bruise Brothers, Butts and 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 Boydie, You know what I mean? They could really hit, um, just like Quinton Pongier and and Johnny Lomax. And Mark Brokenshire got up, and he just sort of shook his arm, and I could tell it was broken. No, he played eighty minutes, and he ran like that <laughs> for the whole game. It happened real early in the game, and he played the whole game like that. I was just—I remember every time he got hit because he used to run with his forearm up like this. Then by that mm. stage, they'd put a pad on it. I was just thinking, man, you must be in so much pain. But um, that's probably—he's probably one of the. That was probably one of the toughest efforts I ever seen with a broken arm. Mark Brokenshire, oh. out of Manly. There you go. Double eight, double three is the temper pair post text machine. Let us know the hardest bugger you know. What about you, is? You must know a few out of the bay. Oh, yeah, look, there's, there's a couple. Um, but the, the story that everyone knows, and I was a part of it was 2011 when, when McCall had a broken foot for the entire World Cup. We didn't know until the end of the World Cup that he actually played throughout, so they kept it quiet from the players, which is probably smart because, you know, we've already gone through the the anxiety of losing Dan Carter and, and Colin Slade and Aaron Cruden, so they had, had to keep it low. But watching him, mate, like, he didn't train all week, but seeing him in the game, so good. And then after it, mate, he wore a bloody moon boot for, for three months. So you can imagine the agony that he was going through, mm. Richie McCall, to... Do what's uh, you know what's what he needs for his country. He'd have to go down, and a guy Matt Todd, mate, like he'd be injured, his shoulders would be bung. Like watching him get ready for a game, I was like, man, how do you catch the ball? How do you pass? Like his shoulders are strapped up, and all his ribs <laughs> strapped up. He's got elbows strapped, and I'm like, I just couldn't do that. I feel too claustrophobic. So, um, yeah, I'd, I'd say those two just. Anyone in the Ford pack, I'd say, probably. None of these backs, mate. If, if Paddy was an outside back, he'd be straight off, I'll tell you that right now. <laughs> you're, not, you're not wrong, mate. Not, not built the same. Sprained a hair follicle. <laughs> yeah. oh. Get me off, mate. Yeah, get me off. Good get question, me off. Though. But there you go. That is our can't wait question of the day. So let us know the hardest bugger you know. Double eight double three. The Temper Bedpost text machine will come back with your text after this. You're listening to Izzy and Kempi for breakfast. Thanks to Chemist Warehouse, the real house of fragrance. Support your aches and pains with Deep Heat Original Heat Rub, 200 grams from Chemist Warehouse, now 14.39. You're listening to Izzy and Kempe for breakfast on SENZ. 6.26 here on Izzy and Kempe for breakfast. You can call us anytime, 0800 150 or text us on the Temper Bedpost text machine. Temper and Bedpost range of mattresses and adjustable bases adapt to the exact shape of your body so you can put your head and feet up in comfort. Our can't wait question of the day, who's the hardest buggy you know after it turned out that Patrick Tupelotu played 80 minutes with a broken armour against the Highlanders on Friday? And uh, this one came through from Mark. He said... Uh, can't help but think about poor old Richard Lowe's forearm when Carroza's nose attacked it. Uh, <laughs> I don't know if that quite counts, Mark, but uh, I, I do remember um, Richard Lowe talking about that. And uh, he was I, I was in Aussie somewhere, might have even been on speaking circuit, because him and Paul Carroza do a bit of, bit of speaking together over in Australia as a, as a tandem. And he was asked about, you know, that, and he, you know, sort of uh, about what he had done to Paul Carroza. He's like, what are you talking about? So you guys wouldn't remember who he was if I hadn't done that. He wouldn't be on the speaking circuit making money if I hadn't done that. <laughs> Good comeback. Good comeback. Another, you go, sorry, Liz. Where you, where you go? 
Oh, he's just going to say that the, the, the real old school mentality. Like, you think of some of the old mm. school stories. Buck Shelford running around with his testy hanging out of his shorts and just playing on and just going in and get it stitched up. No, uh, no sedation or anything. Just one of the tough blokes, mate. They breed him tough in the old day. And, well, Paddy Torpeloto. It's been interesting to see what kind of break it was because if it's broken, like, if it's a small fracture, you can get away with it. But if mm. it's a complete break. Man, it'll be hard to catch that ball, hard to uh, manage that pain. That is tough. Hard to do anything. I, I remember I played uh, mm. played a bit of league when I was younger, and I, I played with a guy called Grant Smith who had a knee problem. He uh, he kept dislocating his kneecap, uh, and, it, and he needed to have an operation in the off-season, and the surgeons were like, well, you can't do any more damage to it, and we can't get you until after the season. Uh, so you can mm. play on if you want. And so Grant would play on, and he, he was usually played second row, and the amount of times he came off with his kneecap sort of halfway around the other side of his leg, and oh, he and he'd just <laughs> sit down, put of icy water, he'd grab it, he'd pop it back in, he'd wrap some tape around it, and five minutes later he'd be back out there. Yeah, he was one of the toughest blokes I know. I, I was going to say that is that like when you're talking about the old school, like, and and it was back in you know the the old days, like Mark Graham. If you watch some of that old footage of him running around with bust, he was busted up. Like watching test matches, he got busted shoulder, you know what I mean? And he plays mm. that really tough, rugged game. But the one that I remember is up in England. I think it was the second test they needed to win. And he busted his ankle. And they went on. And that was the first time I'd ever seen them strap outside the ankle. Strap the boot. And I'm thinking, because you know what ankles are like. It's like you hop back up and you go, oh, man, I can't move, you know. And he's gone out and played with this busted ankle. And I'm like, well... You know, if he if he if he had come off, they was basically had no chance. But he he'd probably be um, in my day. Some of the stories they talk about Mark Graham. Um, one of the reasons why he's he's you know arguably our best player we've ever had play for the New Zealand team. Mm. Well, Mark Graham gets a shout here from Kevin Titarangi. He said he'd have to be up there, Mark Graham. Also, Colin Mead's playing on with his arm broken. So I tell you what, is he? Kempi, you guys know change rooms pretty well. Do you reckon that Patrick's nickname in, uh, at the Blues change room now is now going to be Pine Tree? Pine Tree Tupolotu <laughs> after that? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Oh, mate. He doesn't say anything at the best of times, old Paddy. So I can, I can understand why Leon was absolutely shocked when he said, oh, the broken arm, and he walked off. Like, he doesn't say much, but, mate, that just speaks uh, volumes of the bloke he is. Tough as anything. Tough as. Uh, yeah, we want to hear from you, the toughest bugger you know after Patrick Tupelotu played 80 minutes against the Highlanders and uh, at some stage broke his arm and played on. Uh, congratulations to Opie. Well deserved. How brilliant was his ride on Sakura Girl? It was given every chance, but not good enough from Barry 18. Nabba and his great ride to win the stakes race. Two brilliant jockeys. That's from Kevin in Tetarangi. Uh, also, Ed, Morena Brothers. I got the toughest follow, you know. He's your mate, is he? Sam Parks and no Ricardo. I didn't play with Sammy. Sorry, Ed. Come on. Uh, Northland <laughs> stole him. Nati Pro East Coast went down to our neighbour's poverty bay. Uh, happy birthday, young fella. That is from Ed and uh, John. Oh mate, he is tough. Yeah. Sammy Parks. I went to school with him. Oh right, I so you do school. know. Mate, yeah, yeah, I went to school with him, and he was a. Uh, I played with his bro- older brother Ben Parks, and uh, there was this young kid, Sammy Parks, little, small as anything. And I was, he was a cheeky little hooker too, from the coast, you know, yeah, real farming background, tough as anything. Anyway, I, I was watching, I hadn't seen him for years, I saw him running around for East Coast, and I was like, oh, there's old Sammy Parks. And then next minute I watch Facebook and I see this kickboxing tutorial on Sammy Parks kickboxing people's heads in, <laughs> and he won King of the Ring last year. <laughs> and I'm thinking, oh, 
Holy, this young fellow used to clip his ears. Now he'll clip my ears. Easy. <laughs> oh. <laughs> Taught him everything oh, he knows, eh, is. Taught him everything he nah. knows. Uh, and uh, John from Palmy. What about Tiger in 2008? He played on with a broken leg and torn ACL. 91 holes and went to a playoff. Tiger, 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 Tiger. Tough as anything. Love it. Uh, yeah, he can still drive with a 9 iron through the back window of his Escalade as well. So, you know, he's, he's <laughs> capable of anything. Capable of anything. And it's 29 away from 7 o'clock. Time to catch up with Araha for the latest news for Kubota. Together we are shaping and building New Zealand. Twenty-seven away from seven o'clock on SENZ. Is Ian Kempe for breakfast time for some sports headlines? Power your business with Bunnings Trade Power Pass. And how's this? Uh, he can do anything, can he? Basketball great LeBron James is going to be the official starter when the twenty-four hour Le Mans sports car race celebrates its centenary this weekend. The Los Angeles Lakers forward and NBA leading career scorer, four-time champion, joins a list of celebrity starters who have carried out the ceremonial role over the decades. Hollywood actor Brad Pitt was the starter in 2016. Steve McQueen lowered the French flag to start the race in 1971, the year he starred in the movie Le Mans as well. King James will unleash the 62-strong field on Saturday saying, there's nothing like seeing and experiencing sports at the highest level. It's an honour for me to be part of the historic moment in motorsport and help celebrate the centenary of one of the biggest sporting events in the world. Of course, uh, LeBron is part of the Fenway Sports Group as well, uh, which co-owns the RFK Racing NASCAR team. They also co-own the Boston Red Sox and Liverpool as well. So uh, he's doing all right for himself, it's fair to say, uh, is, is LeBron. Uh, Tottenham. <laughs> he have, have, have his own team. Won't be far away. Uh, Tottenham Hotspur have agreed terms in principle for Celtic boss mm. Ange Postacoglu to take over as their head coach. It was reported last week that the Australian had emerged as the leading candidate and that Spurs had been given permission to hold formal talks with him earlier. Uh, the former Australian coach had stints with the Melbourne Victory and Brisbane Roar in the A-League before heading to Japan and ultimately Celtic. So that's a big move, boys, from somebody down this part of the world to get a job like that uh, as a manager of Tottenham Hotspur. You'd know that how big that is, isn't it, Ricardo? For a guy from from Australia to go over there and manage and coach in the in the EPL, yeah, mate, it's, it's that's massive. big money move. Well, it's a huge money move. Yeah, huge money. I mean, he'd be, uh, you know, he'd have to have all the tickets. Yeah, oh, he's got all the tickets. So you don't yeah. have to worry about that. But uh, yeah, I mean, they're talking about um, Tottenham paying. Celtic about three million pounds to to get it to, to get, get him out, out of his contract. contract. So what wow. he's going to get paid, I don't know, but I would say he's on pretty good coin. I, I remember going back to must have been around two thousand two thousand and one. Uh, when the Kings were uh, with a football team out of Auckland playing in the Aussie comp, yep. and there was a young mm. Aussie guy uh, called Levent Osman who played Aussie under twenties, who was part of the Kings squad, and I think it was after Winton had left, and they were looking for a coach. And he said, oh, mate, they should, they should totally get the guy who coached me at Aussie under-20s. There's this coach, Ange Postacoglu, who's the best coach I've ever had. Is that And he, I remember so him telling me about that then. So, yeah, yeah you know, and uh, so, yeah, yeah, good coach. And uh, it's a massive move for him, massive move for him if that goes through. He's got a hell of a job on his hands, though. Spurs are a mess. <laughs> yeah, what's wrong with the Spurs? They, they were fighting for a title about four, five, maybe six years ago. Harry Kane was at the... Um, you know, it was uh, the hamburger. Of, uh, <laughs> and then they had um, 
Ah, uh, what was his name? The striker, Harry Kane, over there. J- Jermaine Defoe. Oh, Jermaine Defoe. Defoe? Yeah. yeah, yeah. Jermaine Defoe played back in the day. Years ago, yeah. He used to be a few years ago. Um, they used to have a nice. I used to love playing with them. Oh, playing. Well, playing with them on, on the game. FIFA, FIFA. FIFA. Yeah. enjoyed playing. Yeah, yeah. Well, the playing pro- Tottenham, but the, the problem mm. is that they they got to that. You remember they got to that Champions League final. They played Liverpool in the Champions League mm. final with um, Maurizio Pochettino as the coach. And after that, he turned around to the to the board and went, "Hey, look, I need to, I need to rejuvenate the squad. I need to make some changes. We need to keep evolving." And they went, "Nope, we've just made a Champions League final," and gave him no money. Uh. And then. It all went south about three months into the next season. He got the sack, and uh, mm. it's all just been downhill since then. So I, th- I think a lot of it was to do with they built that new stadium. So they they were putting all the money into the new stadium and 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 not not basically spending money on the team. It's effectively what was going on. Is he is he going to bring? I get comfortable. Yeah, is he going to bring players, Rick? Oh yeah. What's that? Sorry, is he going to bring any players? Like, like the only thing players you think he'd bring are the ones from Celtic. Uh, well, yeah, there's a Japanese striker at Celtic that he actually coached in Japan and he brought to Scotland, mm. who's um, been tearing it up in Scotland. He's got like something like 37 goals in 43 mm. games or something. So I wouldn't be surprised to see him uh, rock up over in uh, over in, over at Spurs. So yeah, um, yeah, that's uh, that's a biggie, but uh, that's a that's a big move. Those are your your sports news headlines, and uh, that is with trades and builders power your business with Bunnings Trade Power Pass. Up next, it's time for. Quizzy Dag, take on the birthday boy, the quiz master. <laughs> Quizzy Dag. 100 bucks. 100 bucks, $100 worth of TAB vouchers. Get amongst it. Give us a call now, 0800-150-811. 0800-150-811 is the number. Uh, how are you feeling about the uh, having the quiz hat on today? Is he? Have you had a look through the questions? What do you reckon? Yeah, look, I'm feeling, I'm feeling confident that it's going to jackpot. But hey, I'd like to see you prove me wrong. Yes. So give us a call, 0800. One five zero eight eleven. If you're a new caller, like Michael last week, he won two hundred bucks on a Friday. You got a genuine chance here, so give us a call. Fight plaque harder with Colgate Total Plaque Release Toothpaste from Chemist Warehouse now only six ninety nine. You're listening to Izzy and Kempy for breakfast on SENZ. Jump around, give me a call, 0800-150-811, let's go! Come on! Freestyle on his birthday. Let's go, let's rip straight into it. We're going to head to (laughs) Hamilton. We're going to have a chat to Jade, who was up bright and early. As always, Jade, good morning. brother. Thank you, my boy. Thank you. Appreciate it. All right, let's get you paid, brother. Here we go, question number one. Which former Wallaby? has expressed his intention to play for Samoa at the Rugby World Cup. 
Alator is incorrect. Sorry, Jade. Have a good day, mate. We're going to go to Brett from Huntley. Morning, Brett. <laughs> is it Christian? How are you? Christian Lelefano is correct. Correct. Well done. Question number two. The Melbourne Storm lost 45-20 to the Cowboys oh. over the weekend. The third most points they have ever conceded in a game. Who scored the most points against them? Yuck. Hey, my team, too. Um, <laughs> Broncos. Broncos. Incorrect. Brett, have a good Is day, it? mate. Appreciate it. Hey, what were we going to say? I said choo choo. Oh, choo choo. Okay. <laughs> choo choo for. Yeah, I appreciate it. Well done, Brett. Have a good day, mate. We're going to go to Mark from Tauranga. Marky Mark, how you doing? Good morning, happy birthday. Happy birthday. Thank you very much. The Melbourne Storm um, got a hiding over the weekend. Who gave them their biggest hiding? Do I have a clue, Kempi? Uh, yep. Uh, Jeff Bugden. I have no idea who that is. Oh, catch you later tomorrow. <laughs> Good clue. Oh, all right, we're going to go to Tim from Christchurch. Morning, Tim. Morning, um, Morena. I don't have a clue what your uh, clue is. Uh, is it St. George? St. George. Illawarra is incorrect. Oh, 800 If you think you've got what it takes to take on me, the quiz master, 100 buck bonus bet up for grabs. Let's head to the Tolaga Bay and chat to Ed. Hey, morning. Happy birthday, young fella. I don't know that either. Anyway. <laughs> I'll give you another clue. I'll give you another clue. Slippery old oh. things. The eels? There you go. Parramatta eels. Question number three. Norwegian Victor Hovland came from three shots back to win in a playoff at the Memorial yesterday in golf. Where is he now ranked in the FedEx Cup standings? Oh, I don't know that either, is he? Um, but I'll have a guess. Um, let's see. Third? Close, but incorrect. Sorry, mate. Have a good day, Ed. We're going to go to Daryl from Auckland. Yeah, morning, Daryl. Victor. Oh, morning, guys. Uh, morning, gonna morning. Say, uh, I'm going to say 13th, mate. 13th? No, 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 no. He said third, and we were like, oh, close. So it's it's around that mark. Sorry, Daryl. Simon from Auckland. Morning, boys. Morning, Morning. Simon. Thank you. Thank you, Simon. Norwegian, Victor Hovland. Where's he ranked? Fourth is correct. Question number four. The French Open has been dominated by Rafa Nadal for the last 18 years. But who are, who was the last American to win it? Five. Four. Uh, three. He may have gone to AA. Um, I three. Have Two. Um, One. I don't know. I can't think of a name. <laughs> <laughs> he got that. 
All right. Question number five. <laughs> Sulu Fitzpatrick has played her last game of domestic netball in the Mystics ANZ Premiership win over the Stars. How many times has she played for the Silver Ferns? Five. Four. Three. Uh, two. Twenty-two. No, it's not twenty-two. Sorry, my friend. Have a good day. We're going to go to Darren from Napier because it's my birthday. I'm doing what I want and I want to get Darren. He's a new caller. <laughs> so there you go. Darren, good morning. Good morning, my man. What's the pirate or is the pirate? Up the pirates. All pop. How you going, bro? Good, brother. How are you? All good, all good, mate. Good win over the weekend, eh? One point out of, over Tamatia. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We'll, we'll take it, eh? Yeah, awesome, mate. Awesome. All right, let's get you paid. Sulu Fitzpatrick has played her last game of domestic netball in the Mystics ANZ Premiership. Win over the Stars. How many times has she played for the Silver Ferns? 27. <laughs> Twenty-seven is correct. How'd you get that? Yeah, boy. <laughs> oh, I actually, I actually read an article about her this morning. She's she's cool. Oh, awesome, awesome. Darren from Napier, first time caller, and he's from my home yeah. club back there in Tamatea and uh, All Pup Territory, mate. Well done. Appreciate it. What are you up to today, Des? Oh, it's actually uh, taking a long, long weekend. Day off, take the kids to school. You know how it is. Nice, nice. Well, you enjoy that long weekend. Lucky for you. We worked yesterday. We work every day. It doesn't matter. We love bringing you all things sport on SNZ, brother. Thank you very much. Yeah, yeah, no, yeah. Thank you. Nice work. Well, we're back for another $50 TAB bonus bet tomorrow for Quizzy Dag. We are eight away from seven. We come back. Kempe's got love racing. Thoroughbred race date events dot dot nz and Opie Bossom's decorated riding career has been further acknowledged in the 2023 King's Birthday and Coronation Honours list. The champion jockey has been named as an officer of New Zealand Order of Merit for his contribution to thoroughbred racing. It's the second major credit for the 42-year-old, uh, who in 2023 also been inducted into the New Zealand Racing Hall of Fame uh, in Hamilton in May. He celebrated his first Group One success aboard Jezebel. In 1998, the Auckland Cup, that was a 3,200-metre race, and later that year's first in Australia when he guided Grand Archway to victory in the VRC Oaks. His first came to work uh, for me as a young fellow and is now an integral part of the Tioka family, says Dave Ellis. He's proved himself the greatest of all time within the riding ranks of New Zealand, registering a record 90 group wins, and half of those horses have been for Tioka racing Um He's now just having a bit of a, a, a catch-up with the whānau on his Pukekohe property as OP as he goes out, and he won't be too long before he chases his 100th uh, Group 1 victory. So well done to OP and, and other news. A Thunderbolt has struck the worldwide thoroughbred racing landscape, uh, landscape with news that Singapore Turf Club will mm. cease racing in October 2024 and announcing the cessation of racing following 180 years of steep history, a devastated Singaporean racing community was told the final meeting featuring the 100th Grand Singapore Gold Cup will be staged on October the 5th, 2024.
Um, it's, it's real sad news for the Cranji, which has been under a dark cloud. It's been swirling in recent months saying that that'll be closed down. Um, Singapore Racing was at its peak when local legend Rocketman was at its height of his powers when he's 17 from 17 on home soil. And in the saddle, it was the, the, the uh, great jockey Joe Moreira who captured headlines when in mm. Singapore, breaking all si- um, sorts of records during his tenure. And uh, it was the first place that I sold one of my horses to. One of my first ones went up there to Singapore to race. So that's going to be a, a sad day. There's no racing uh, today. Plenty going on this week with races matter, matter. New Plymouth on Thursday. Hopefully have something for you there. Rua Kaka and Awapuni. That's our Love Racing update. Grab your mates and get on course. Visit events.loveracing.nz to find a race day near you. It's huge, isn't it, Kempe? Joe's come through with a nice message. Uh, 120 race, uh, a hectare racing centre at Cranji, 215 50 million in betting turnover per year, 200 million in prize money, and over 4,000 jobs all gone. Yeah. Crazy, crazy, crazy thing that is happening over in Singapore. And you think you've just read off a couple of the big wins. Oh, it's sad to see. It's sad to see, Rick Dog. It is indeed. It is indeed. It'll be interesting to find out what they're doing there. Is that just for housing because yeah. they're always out of space? It I is. Know. It is yes. exactly for housing. It will be. Yeah, yeah. there you go. There you go. Uh, so racing takes the back seat. Uh, it is coming up 7 o'clock. On the way in the next hour, we're going to be talking tennis. We're going to have an off-the-back fence from uh, Kempe as well. We'll continue to get your text on the toughest bugger you know, and we'll continue to celebrate uh, the birthday of one of the All Blacks' greatest ever fullbacks. I uh, will do that and more after Araha with news and sport thanks to Kubota. Make the switch to Kogan Mobile today. See- Fight Plaque Harder with Colgate Total Plaque Release Toothpaste from Kemmer's Warehouse, now only $6.99. This is Izzy and Kempe for breakfast on SENZ. First away downfield. Here's Israel Dag flying for the corner and he gets it down. Everybody loves the sunshine. <laughs> Folks get down in the sunshine. Sunshine. Everybody loves the sunshine. Oh, there you go. Kez bringing out the old clips. I'm surprised uh, they still work. They're that old. <laughs> I don't know where you had to go get your, your clips from there, um, Kez. But appreciate it, mate. Yes, the sunshine it is lacking at the moment. But that's okay. We'll bring you some sunshine and a bit of light throughout the next couple of hours. We've got a big uh, little part of the show coming up. We're going to talk some tennis shortly. We're going to cover off everything that is happening at the French Tennis Open over there, there's plenty going on, a bit of off-field drama, obviously a disqualification, a walkover from Schwatek as she takes on Coco Goff as probably the, the round, the match of that round as they head to the quarterfinals, Schwatek taking on Coco Goff, breezing through her opponent, Schwestrev, in that uh, performance, so uh, we'll keep you updated with that, we're going to be talking to Graham Lowe in the next hour, and there's Kempe's off the back fence 
as well. We're going to read a couple of these messages coming through. I once had a sniffy nose and a scratchy throat, and I still took the rubbish out. That is from Roy. Oh, well done, Roy, you <laughs> tough old thing. <laughs> this one really sings, rings, rings um, a bells in my mind. Cooper Cronk playing mm. with the severity of a 15-centimetre fracture through through the width of his scapula. Grand final 2018. And I've just been surprised with my kids. What have you... I don't want any presents. <laughs> of course oh. you don't. What have they got, no, Dad? I... Is it a digger? <laughs> Come here. <laughs> a digger, digger. Oh. A digger, digger. This is all I want, team. A big cuddle for my babies. Say morning. Say morning, hello. <laughs> Say morning, Kimpy. Morning, Arlo. Morning, mate. Morning, morning, Tools. There they go, getting up oh. early. Nice, getting ready for school. You remember that, 7 yes. o'clock? I used to remember getting up at 7 o'clock like that and running around at my auntie's because she used to roast this porridge. And she used to cook it and then roast the top of it with some brown sugar on the top of it, put it underneath the grill. Man. You want to talk to Kimpy? Come on, Tools, yes. jump, on the, jump on the cans. Hello, Tools. Good morning. How are you? Is it your dad's birthday today? What have you got dad for his present? You got a big horse for him? Yeah, she can't tell you what to, for the present. Has it opened it yet? Come on, you spoiled the surprise, Kempi. Yeah, no. See, uh, bit shy old Tilly. I've never seen her that quiet. But no, there you go, boys. That's, that's made my morning. And uh, yeah, it's, there's nothing better, eh? It's nothing better when your kids come in and, and surprise you. And my beautiful wife, too, she's sitting over there, but she doesn't want me recognition so uh there you go there you go i've got a bit distracted so, lads there's a lot going on in my studio <laughs> yeah, it's busy mate it's busy real busy uh there was another text that came through that you didn't want to talk about is he uh from johnny do you want to do you want to should we go there? oh johnny 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 it had to come through just remember pirates are bottom half of the madison and a win over tamatea by one point up the central <laughs> it's our year is he 31 all with the unbeaten tech there you go central Central, eh? They the two okay. copper. They the two copper of the Hawks Bay. They got to be. Uh, <laughs> do you want me to open one of my presents? Go on then. Open a hey? present, brother. Open a present. Okay, I've got a, I've got a present here, and I'll talk you through it. It's wrapping, and uh, what do we got in here? Okay. Oh, we've got a toilet bag because here's a funny story, lads. I went mm. to France, and my wife bought me a beautiful toilet bag. Beautiful toilet bag that lasted all but two weeks because I left it in one of the hotels. So I've got a new, I've got a new toilet bag that has just come through. So that'll do me well. What else we got, Arlo? Okay, I'm going to talk you through my present. This from you, son. Okay, thank you. You got some money. <laughs> Here we go. Okay, I'm opening. I'm ripping it open. What have I got? Ooh, I've got some comfy track pants. Look at those. Some comfy track pants from my uh, from my darling. Thank you very much, Daisy. What else we got? You want to open it? No, give it to you. I'll open it. It's my day. Come here. <laughs> <laughs> All right, what have we got here, lads? I have got a new polo that looks extremely small, <laughs> but it's XL, so it better fit. <laughs> I hate Another that. polo. Yeah, here I, we go. One more. I hate that when you buy something you, online that says it's XL and then you get it and it doesn't fit. Like, oh, yeah, so there you go, boys. I've been spoiled. The kids are going to open my last presents, but that's enough of that. Let's carry on. 
Oh, let's get on with it. It is uh, nine past seven here on Izzy and Kempi for breakfast. And uh, the French Open is well and truly underway. And uh, we uh, unfortunately don't have any uh, Kiwi participation in the doubles anymore because Mike Venus is out. Although... He has teamed up with the Canadian Bianca Andrescu uh, for the mixed doubles, and they're still going strong. I think they're at the quarterfinal stage now. So uh, we have something in common with our next guest. He is a tennis journalist and YouTuber, host of The Slice. He says it's tennis media by the fans, for the fans. Welcome to the show. Stephen Borton. G'day, Stephen. How are you? I'm doing great, guys. Thanks for having me on again. Yeah, our pleasure, man. Our pleasure. Uh, how much news has it made uh, over your part of the world that uh, Andrescu and Mike Venus applied mixed doubles together? <laughs> um, you know, not too much news, apparently, because I actually just kind of saw that the other day and I didn't even know that was happening. But uh, good for them. And i uh, love to see it. Andrescu's got a good set of hands on her. I know that. She's comfortable at the net. So, you know, and I actually... Mike Venus, that's that's funny. I think I actually re- rode in a in a tournament car with him in Stuttgart, Germany last year. So, uh, some inside knowledge there. <laughs> that's the only that's the only real uh, inside scoop I have on that. Mate, what do you make of this uh, Miyu Kato and that being disqualified yesterday for that that uh, that ball just being whacked back to one of the one of the um, the kids that are at the back catching all the all the tennis balls? What? It was. It seemed to be when we've watched it on uh, the socials. It seems to be a pretty harsh call by the officials on uh, those poor double pairing. Mm. Yeah, that's a. It's an absolute travesty, right? There's. I, I just can't wrap my head around the fact that umpires don't seem to be able to just look at video or in real time and correct their decisions. You know, up here in Canada, we play a sport called hockey. Uh, well, it has a ton of problems with officiating one thing they do now is they go back and review things like that happened in the past to make sure that they had the right call and it seems to take away from a lot of this kind of stuff where you know in the moment something was happened judged what what uh, when it wasn't actually the case on you know whatever happened so yeah to see to see them get kicked out of the tournament is terrible um but the the other terrible thing is they're playing two primarily singles players who seem to kind of help get them disqualified, uh, which is totally disingenuous in my opinion mm. and a lot of fans on the internet's opinions. Um, mm. So yeah, it's just, it's a bummer. But I, I see that uh, at least Kato is in the in the mixed doubles, uh, like we were just talking about, and she's into the semifinals actually. So she's doing all right for herself. But yeah, it, it was a bad, bad look for everyone involved. Well, what is there going to be any repercussions from this? I'm like you're reading and you're, you're wanting to focus more on the games and, and the opponents and, and the kind of competition that we're seeing, but you're reading about the booing that is going on in the stands, so that's not a good light on on the French Open. Then you've got this situation. So, mm-hmm. for a French Open industry, are they are they on the back foot at the moment? I think so. I mean. Mm. I was at the French Open last year in Paris, and France is such an amazing tennis country. So there's so much demand for the French Open. Like it was packed last year, it's packed this year. But they they've done a few things that don't seem smart and just seem to hurt them uh, for no re- good reason. Like for example, their night sessions are one match. Mm. It's super expensive. I think I paid like a hundred euros for a one match last or when I was there and I was not in a very good seat. And so that's just, doesn't seem like a good value ticket regardless of what it is. 
And then they have, you know, unequal, uh, you know, most, I think like nine of the matches were men last year and only one was women's. Um, that doesn't look good. You know, that doesn't help the press. And then, yeah, they have the, the, the you know, the French crowd going nuts uh, with Taylor Fritz. Uh, you know, that hard, hard for the tournament to control that. That's just the French people doing what they do. Um, and, but then, yeah, with, with officiating and things like that, there's, there's a lot of confusion it seems to be had right now. Um, so yeah, for the last few years, this tournament seems like it, it's had issues, but you know, it doesn't, doesn't seem to be hurting them financially as they, uh, always are filled out and it's, it's packed, you know, there's just a lot of love for tennis in in Paris specifically. So yeah, it's a bit of a, bit of a crapshoot, but they, uh, seem to be mm. moving through it. Hey, Stephen, let's talk about the, the, uh, the men's side of the draw ruined with his five, uh, set epic against Sur- uh, Surindolo. Um, is is he a threat, or you know, is Novak um, too hard to get past? Oh, uh, Holger Rune's definitely a threat. I think you know, I had him quite high on my power rankings. I think I had him. In my, you know, I just took a list of all the guys that I thought were real contenders, and I had him at number three behind. I had Djokovic number one, only because he's won twenty two majors. Alcaraz has only won one. I had Alcaraz number two, and then I had Holger Rune number three. Because um, this kid has so much confidence. His game is so good for this surface, and he's physically able to compete with anyone out there. We just saw him beat Djokovic in Rome. And, you know, even, you know, he just came through that match against Sarandolo, which was tough. He could have he lost it, but he toughed it out. So, you know, he's on the bottom half of the draw, Holger Rune is, so he wouldn't have to play... You know, the other three best players in the draw, in my opinion, are Alcaraz, Tsitsipas, and Djokovic. Those three guys are all in the top half, and Runa's on the bottom half. So he won't, he'll only, if he makes it to the final, he's going to have to play one of those guys, but none of them mm. until the final, if that makes sense. So I think he's got a pretty good chance to make the final. He's going to have to beat Casper Ruud here, which they've got a lot of history, and, uh, you know, then we'll see. But yeah, he's he's definitely a contender. He's He's a real contender. He's not a pretender. It's going to be interesting to see what unfolds. We'll flip to the other side because I was watching the French Open. While we were working, I had it going on the laptop and I was watching Inga Swatek taking on Suchilev and uh, it was a walkover, 5-1. 5-1 in that performance. So obviously something went on in that game that I've missed. So can if you just enlighten us about that? And then looking forward to the quarterfinals, Swatek taking on Coco Goff. Who's got the inside yeah. running there? Yeah, well, it's... Uh... It's interesting, Serenko. I, I I just saw on Twitter, you know, she's made a big habit of pulling out of matches, which is unfortunate, right? We, you know, apparently it's like mm. like a big number. A fifth here it is, fifth retirement in or walkover in her in eleven tournaments this year. Wow. So uh, wow. that's a tough look for her. Kind of, you're not sure what's going on there, mm. but she she absolutely chopped up our uh, Canadian. Bianca Andreescu, 6161. So we were thinking, hey, she's going to be a good, can, you know, fight for Sviantec, but not the case as she had to pull out. But, you know, just interestingly, this is another reason why it's hard to put Sviantec, who's the best female player in the world, it's hard to put her on a night session or a big match because she's just destroying these players 6 0, 6 0 in the round before that. And then, you know, 5 1. So, so, anyways, so to your question about Coco Goff, she can, she can play with her. You know, this was the final of the French Open last year. Sviatek obviously beat Coco Goff. So this is a, a rematch of the final in the quarterfinals. 
you know, I think Shiontech's the huge favorite. Um, Coco Golf though is going to be loving uh, to have another chance to try and solve the puzzle, but the Polish puzzle. But I don't, yeah, I don't think much has really changed, and I think uh, I'm very confident in Shiontech coming through this one. Hey, Stephen, do you think it's lost a little bit of its uh, pull internationally? You know, for the last two decades, you've had Ruf, uh, Rafael Nadal there just taking taking these titles at will, really. And then this year, it's sort of like up for grabs, and there's none of that. There's none of that talk around Nadal. Is it, do you think it's losing a little bit of its gloss? The French Open. I'm not sure. It's it's hard for me to tell outside of the tennis world, right? Because I'm so I'm so drilled down into it. So to me, it's the same the same amount of hype. There's just a different storyline this time. It's like can Djokovic get a number another one? You know, become get number twenty three. You know, be the number one leader out of the big three with with slams. And then you know, there's you got Alcaraz. You know, you got Nadal leaving, but you got Alcaraz there this year as as the you know, betting odds favorite to win the entire thing. And he's still only 20. He's the number one player in the world. So I think, I think thankfully Alcaraz has come, come around at a time where, you know, Federer retired last year. Nadal probably, you know, I think there's a good chance he played his last pro match already. Um, so I think there is enough buzz for sure for, for definitely for tennis fans outside of like, you know, the real tennis fans, just maybe the casual sports fan. Maybe it's lost a little bit, but I'm I'm not sure. Uh, I don't have an exact yeah. pulse on that. A player that's not getting talked about it uh, too much, uh, but is in the running, and maybe this is because he's shown uh, in the past, uh, um, you know, ten, tends to bottle it when it comes to the big games. But is Stefano Sitsipas? I mean, he is ranked fifth, mm. right? And he's up against Alcaraz. Everybody's talking Alcaraz, Djokovic, like they th- see that it's going to be the semi. But I mean, the fifth seed up against the first seed in that quarterfinal is not a done deal either. Do you, do you think on this surface Sitsipas can take Alcaraz all the way? Uh, I think he can for sure, and that's a great point you brought up. You know, Sitsipas has you know in twenty twenty one he was in the final against Djokovic up two sets to love and he's already won you know monte carlo twice he he's well known for the last two or three years as you know the next guy on clay and i've been defending him over the year you know the last year and a half because since that final he doesn't seem to have that clutch factor or that belief in himself against the real top guys in the world no matter what surface it is and now alcras is kind of his the new bane of his existence where He's just really can't figure out how to crack that nut. Um, and it's not like it's always like some, some of these matches are close that they've played. Um, but it seems like, yeah, Alcaraz just has a mental edge over him. They got, Alcaraz has won all four of the matches that they've played. But I will say Sitsipas has historically played better, I think, as the underdog. So now maybe there's a little less pressure on him. He's the underdog in this matchup, even though he's older. He's still only 24. So Alcaraz is 20, but I think Sitsipas is the underdog, and I think that'll take a little pressure off of himself, maybe just internally. And I think if he really plays his best tennis, you know, mentally and physically, he can he can beat Alcaraz if Alcaraz is a little little off his game. Um, and you know, I think Sitsipas's game is so good that he can he can make that happen. But it's going to be tough. But yes, he can definitely do it. And I think it's ridiculous to overlook him uh, based on what he's accomplished before. 
The, the French Open's always thrown up new names generally. You know, we'll, we'll see somebody who's a, a 30 or 40 uh, ranked in the world that maybe isn't a household name come through. We saw Michael Chang do it year, years ago, uh, was it 89 at, at the French Open. We saw Sara Irani, the Italian, do it a few years ago, make the, the final of the French Open. Um, who's the who's the outsider this time? Is there an outsider floating around that you think is still in with a chance and uh, probably on the women's side and could make a run? Yeah, it's a good question. I was just, you know, at the men's draw, I, there is a couple outsiders on the bottom. They're actually playing right now, but I think they have literally zero chance to win. So let's just, <laughs> looking at the women's, right, I, I think, you know, Sviantek and Sabalenka have really asserted themselves as the queens of the tour. Like they, you know, as well as Rebaikina, who's there, who had to pull out of this tournament. Those three uh, women have kind of a stranglehold of the top. And I do, yeah, not see anyone in this draw breaking through that, you know, Alina Svitolina is having a bit of a Cinderella run after having her child, you know, she, she just beat Daria Kasakina and now she's in the quarterfinals to play Sabalenka. If she gets through Sabalenka somehow that would be, you know, then maybe we've got uh, another storyline on our hands there as far as someone, someone coming through, but then she's got to beat Shiantek probably in the final. So the women's draw is starting to look a little bit more like the men's where they, where they got the real big stars at the top kind of, guarding the the titles so i don't think this will be another french open where we get kind of an outsider winning i i uh, i don't see it happening this year yeah all right Stephen. thanks very much for your time my friend we'll let you go and uh catch up with the tennis action out of uh, paris uh and keep up the good work on the slice eh thanks appreciate you guys having me on again no no problem anytime uh tennis journalist and uh host of The Slice. You can find him on YouTube as well, Stephen Borton, and on Twitter. Tennis media by the fans, for the fans, and uh, good to get uh, his take on the French Open. We'll do that again with Brett Phillips later on in the week. Uh, what do you reckon? What's your take? Double eight double three is our temper bedpost text machine, or you can call us 0800 150 You're listening to Izzy and Kempi for breakfast. Thanks to Chemist Warehouse, the real house of fragrance. The Back Fence with Tony Kemp. Well, the unthinkable has happened. The great talent that is Nathan Cleary has now been ruled out for six weeks. His hamstring injury has added to the woes of the Blues and has thrown the race wide open to lead the New South Wales team around the park. Cleary must be the premier halfback in the NRL and losing him for this must-win game too is probably the last thing an embattled Freddie Fittler needs at the moment. With numerous players selected for the Blues, many who were well below their best, Fittler now has to come up with a combination that can travel to Suncorp Stadium, home of the Maroons. It's going to be an enormous mountain to climb for the Blues to get back onto level ground. So where does he go? And who will get the nod at number seven? Nico Hines came off the bench, so that's obviously one option. But given the fact that Fittler has selected a spine based on Penrith's two premiership wins, having no Cleary to steer them will now throw that whole exercise out the door. See, I'm picking Adam Reynolds has to come back into the mix with the form that he's showing up there in Brisbane. He's playing for Brisbane and and he's also at Suncorp, which is his home ground for starters. And what does that mean for the rest of the team if they do select Adam Reynolds? Well, for, for example, Luai for me is gone. So what began as one key change has a wide-ranging trickle-down effect. It's not beyond the bounds of belief that we could see a whole new New South Wales outfit running out for Game 2. Off the back fence with Tony Kemp. 
Oh, love it, Kempe. Mm. Great debate to have in the next 20-odd uh, 20, 20 minutes. We can continue this on after the news and headlines for sure because I know plenty to debate there. You think it'll be easy fix, and obviously Teddy finding a bit, for, bit of form for the Roosters over the weekend. Is that, well, automatic conclusion into that side, or will what happen in Game 1? Come back to Biden. There's plenty to debate, so let's get into it after the news, I reckon. Yeah, definitely. 0800 150 811 is our number. And remember, we do have a former State of Origin coach joining us before 9 o'clock as well. We'll go over some of these ideas with Graham Lowe at around 20 to 9. But it is time now to catch up with Araha with news for Kubota. Together we are shaping and building New Zealand. Well, I ain't seen my baby since I don't know when I've been drinking bourbon whiskey. Gonna get high, man, I'm gonna get loose Need me a triple shot of that juice Gonna get drunk, don't you have no fear I want one bourbon, one scotch, one beer One bourbon, one scotch, one beer 7.33 on Izzy and Kempe for breakfast uh, Time for some sports news headlines with Kenard's Hire too easy weekend and two Kiwi surfers have met the Paris 2024 Olympic qualifying criteria at the ISA World Surfing Games in El Salvador. Four of the six team members remain alive in the event heading into the final three days. New Zealand team sitting 12th overall. Taranaki surfer Paige Harib and Raglan's Billy Stearman have advanced through the latter stages of the event and are both guaranteed to finish inside the top 30. The quality control ranking that is set for continental qualifying slots in Paris. Sussex have signed New Zealand fast bowler Henry Shipley to bolster their attack for the next block of county championship games. Currently second in Division 2, Sussex have drawn five of their six matches so far, which included seeing Glamorgan rack up a record second inning score of 737 at Hove last month. And Paul Farbrace, the head coach, has spoken of needing to add firepower for the club's four fixtures in June and July. Normally Stephen Smith would be there, but he's out at the moment. And uh, they've also lost uh, Pujara, who's part of the Indian uh, World Test Championship side as well. So they've brought in Henry Shipley, the Canterbury All-Rounder. He said he's an exciting addition to our squad for the next four county matches. We're looking forward to his high skill level and uh, our, uh, helping our bowling attack take 20 wickets. I'd also like to thank New Zealand Cricket who have been fantastic with their help in making this happen. Shipley's 27, he's been captain 8 ODIs and 5 T20s and will be available for Sussex, Sussex's home game against Worcestershire starting on Sunday, as well as fixtures against Glamorgan, Derbyshire and Yorkshire. And WBC President Maurizio Suleiman laments the greed stalling the heavyweight division and says Tyson Fury has been the victim of the perils of money and the WBC expects to take action soon to settle the mandatory challenger for Fury's heavyweight championship. Tyson Fury yet to fight in 2023. Those are your sports news headlines and that is brought to you by Kennard's Hire. Two easy weekend, two days higher for the price of one. Visit a branch today, Tees and C's apply. Uh, it is 25 away from eight and uh, Kempi, I thought your act off the back fence was uh, very, very good, mate, very timely and it brought up a few questions for me, Izzy, and one of those uh, mm. Get your take on this is if the reason Fitler gave us for selecting uh, selecting uh, Jerome Luai, who's had no form at all this year, is because he wants to select combinations. Surely, Reynolds, uh, Cleary being out now means that Luai's out too, right? Mm. I think so. I, I think that's um, there was already question marks there. I picked Nico Hines to go in that position, 
um, with that, uh, with the way he's been playing for Cronulla, obviously Dalim last year. So he's carrying that form and that confidence, and you need something different. So I think with Cleary going out, does it make the decision easier? I think so. I think Adam Reynolds' form is warranted, what he's been able to do with that Broncos outfit. I think it's an easy transition. He'll take seven, and I think that uh, Nico Hines will jump into that other standoff position. They need to do something different, Kempi, because what they've done in the past isn't enough. They should have won that game in game one. When they're down to 12 men, people out of position, you know, Rick Dog, you're a fan, you're a supporter, you think, okay, we're home and hose here, but they weren't able to get it down. They allowed two easy, soft tries in that last 10 minutes, and it uh, really painted a, a tough old couple of weeks for Fittler. So Fittler's got a decision that's I feel, is an easy decision to make. Nico Hines transitions easily into that team. Yeah, he does. And I look, and I, I'm a little bit worried about. I don't think he's going to make big changes, wide, widespread changes. And there's a couple of reasons why. They had a couple of tries disallowed in the in the first half, so mm. he think he'd have the. He thinks he's got the team that can win him games, um, but then he's got this, this. He's got this this conundrum where he's saying it needs needs to be about combination. So. If you're talking combinations, you're talking Reynolds, Cook, and Cody Walker. You know what I mean? You leave Teddy back at fullback. You remove Latrell, of course, back to the centre. So now you've got that combination, which is all South Sydney back on one side of the pitch, which has got to be on um, their radar as a talking point. So you're going Cook, Reynolds, Walker, Mitchell. You know? yeah. So you've gone from Penrith to Souths. Um but the other thing that I think he, he needs to do is because Queensland's got this culture of winning, is he? I think he's, I think Luai and the way that they carry on is not good for New South Wales. You know, where they're calling people out and you've got to do something about this and, you know, you're carrying on like pork chops and not really doing what Queensland do, which is just heads down, ass up, get the job done. Um, I just think you've got to start changing that culture within the team and picking players that aren't going to poke the bear. Because the more you poke Queensland, the better they get, mm. you know. So I, I think for two reasons you probably wouldn't pick Luai there. One, I think he talks too much, and uh, the second one, I just think I just don't think he's the best number six in the comp. Yeah, I, I agree, Kempi. I totally agree, Rick Dog, and I just think he's yeah. Look, there's a lot of like you you, lo- you love that mangle, but I think he gets caught up. It's a bit like Cody Taylor getting caught up in that moment. He gets distracted from the performance. So then the other side, do you allow? Um, with Latrell Mitchell, will he be available to come back in? What does that do with the makeup with at the back three? I think that's where there's a lot of question marks as well, Ricardo. With mm. Teddy, his form in that game one, obviously finding a little bit of form for the Roosters over the weekend. Is that enough to warrant his selection? Yes, he's the captain, but is that enough? Well, I think you push Stephen Crichton out to the wing, Latrell Mitchell in the centre, and away you go. Well, the, the, yeah, Tommy Turbo a, gone. Yeah, and that, and that's a really mm. good question, is because you know if you are looking at those combinations, why not go? Cook, Reynolds, Cody Walker, or Nico Hines, and Latrell at fullback. Mm. You know, because, you know, look, I think Cody Walker, Cook, Cody Walker, and Latrell Mitchell are arguably, when they're on, the three best in the, in the competition as mm. far as offense goes. But I just think it's a little bit, the, the decision making around that, um, that with that move of uh, Nathan Cleary, is it has ramifications right across the board. Because, they don't all play like Nathan Cleary. You know, who's got the better kicking game? So if you're talking kick, kicking game, you'd have to go to Reynolds because he's got arguably the next best kicking mm. game of the comp. 
But then if you go, well, what about running game? Well, then you've got to look to Nico Hines. You know what I mean? There's all these decisions that he's going to make. So, mm. mate, one of the players, is he that he didn't want to go down? And he would have saw that on weekend when Nathan Cleary was walking up the sideline. He would have just gone, oh, no, now what do we do? Mm. Yeah, I hear what you're saying. But then on the flip side, they've got to try something different. So it's an opportunity, a little bit of an opportunity for this New South Wales. Backs against the wall. You know, no one's expecting them to go to Suncorp. It's going to be a tough outing for them. But, hey, they've got to try something different because what they tried in week one, I think the difference as well, Rick Dog, and I want to ask you this, is mm. they went with a really big forward pack. They went with Pangai Jr., Payne Haas. They, they wanted to really dominate the, the contact area. Well, New, uh, Queensland negated that. They went wide, they moved the big balls around, and they started getting gains on the, on the edges. So does Pangai Jr. get another chance to, uh, you know, warrant his selection from Freddie? That's a really good question, actually. I, I, I think, I, you know, given they don't want to make a heap of changes, and the changes they're going to have to make are going to be in the back line, I don't think they make too many changes to the forward pack. If, if anything, that change will be that they'll have two hookers and Damien Cook will come in, but I don't think they'll change much else in that mm. forward pack. No, well, you know, you've got, to, you've got to put it into context. Freddie Fittler's dead man walking, you know what I mean? Mm. He, he either goes down with the ship, which is... Basically, the Titanic, it's hit an iceberg and it is taking on plenty of water. <laughs> or yep. he goes, right, I've got these absolute wonderful mechanics that I can bring on board and it's, you know, Reynolds and it's Cody Walker and it's Cook and it's, you know what I mean? And they're going to fix that hole up and I'm going to survive. Man, he's, he's, he's the skipper. He's going down right at the moment. If it was me, mm. I would be like opening up my, taking the blinkers off and saying, who do we select? We need to make changes because it's not working. Mm. 100% it's not working. Let us know what you think. 0800 150 State of Origin 2, New South Wales. If you are in Freddie Fittler's shoes, what are you doing? Who are you bringing into the side? What does that team look like for State of Origin 2 against Queensland? At Suncorp, that's the other thing. It's at Suncorp. You can't lose this one. The series is gone and you're in enemy territory. Let us know what you think. We'll be back after this. SCNZ. It's Kiwi for Sport. Call anytime, 0800. You're listening to Izzy and Kempi for breakfast on SCNZ. 13 away from 8 on Izzy and Kempi for breakfast. 0800 150 811 is our phone number. Or you can text us on the Temper Bedpost text machine, double eight double three. Like uh, this person has no name on the text. Please do put your name on text when you text through so we can give you a shout out. Uh, but if Teddy passes the ball to the Fox, we score. Mm. It's just the small things that let the Blues down. Or Frizzell. Mm. If, he, if he, Frizzell passes the ball to the Fox, Izzy gets paid. Oh, that's what I was going to say. My multi. <laughs> you ruined my multi. And, and just, just on that, you know, like, can be a bit on games too. The pressure might be on a little bit more than, than usually. And you just go out there and you try that little bit extra hard. And that's when it all goes pear shaped. And that's what I think uh, Teddy was doing. He was trying so, so hard. His body was tense. And when you're tense, you lose sight and you lose focus. Your, your vision narrows in. And you lose sight of what's around you, the opportunities that, that come up and, and that oppose to you from the defence. I think that's what's happening with, with Teddy at the moment. The pressure's on, he's getting tight, he wants to prove the doubt is wrong, and then you miss those opportunities. Mm. So if they do go to him, I'd love to look, I'm, I'm Maroon's heart, but I'm a fan as well of Teddy. I'd love to see him just relax. It's, it's easy for me to say I'm on the other side, but just relax and let it play out because the more you try, the worse things can go as an athlete. So. 
I think it's a great text message there as well. Yeah, there's another one from James. Queensland did it last year in Game 3 without Munster. Who cares what New South does up the Maroons? <laughs> and, I th- and I think that's a, a really good point. And, and just added to what you're saying is, is because they couldn't get that ball down, they the frustrated... The frustrations mm. crept in, and Queensland have just stayed cool and calm. They've gone down to 12 men, um, Queensland, and just still got the job done, you know, um, mm. back their talent. So I do think there's a little bit of uh, anxiety in the New South Wales camp at the moment. How does he how does he get rid of that? I'm gonna, it's a good question for Lowy when he comes on afterwards, because I think once it could have worked both ways. Once Cleary goes down, if you're Queensland, you're going, well, OK, now we're in with a mm. decent chance of, of wrapping this up. And on the other side with New South Wales, anxiety's driven probably from the top down, you know, because mm. Fitler will be going, where do I go? Yeah, where do I go? Indeed, well, I tell you where we go. We go to Sydney on 0800 150 Calling us out of Sydney is Mark. Good morning, Mark. How are you? G'day, boys. How are you? I'm a lot warmer than you guys might be right now. It's 11 <laughs> degrees here in Sydney, and I, for one, couldn't be happier. I mean, I, I'm from Sydney originally, but I lived over there for years in Murchison, my mum's hometown, so I'm used to snow on the ground and under zero, but I'm much more acclimated to the Australian side of my heritage. I must <laughs> say, so it's good. It's 11 degrees, we're going to have a nice warm day. Are, so you, it's good. are you blue or maroon, mate? Oh, definitely blue. Born and raised in Sydney. I mean, my brother and I moved to Queensland when we were kids. I hated it so much I came home. He loved it so much he stayed up there. But ironically, <laughs> he manages... He manages the Queen Charlotte Tavern in the Marlborough Sound, so when New South Wales win matches two and three, at least he's got easy access to the booze to drown his mm. sorrows. But um, I think that, um, yeah, it's a real blow, sure, that New South Wales has lost Cleary with hamstring problems, but we've got to try something different. We have no choice. Mm. So um, Brad Fittler needs to look on this as an opportunity to try new things. The only sort of um, thing I'm concerned about is with the combinations he puts together, had the players had enough experience in working together? And um, mm. it's like, can we keep our cool during the game? And I mean, of course, it would help if we don't have, you know, referees like Ashley Klein uh, refereeing the match, because I don't know if you guys have seen it over the years, but over here, it's just been unfair refereeing bias against New South Wales for years. Even Ray Warren, one of our most uh, esteemed rugby league commentators, has said year after year, you'd have to be blind Freddy to let a penalty like that happen against New South mm. Wales and you know it's seriously almost driven a lot of New South Wales fans away from the game the way the games have been unfairly biased against New South Wales over the years but I was happy to see in match one that the refereeing was very fair and very impartial so it, it appears they're improving there but also on the Queensland side of the equation they've lost Tom Gilbert and Joy Arrow with shoulder and ankle injuries so it's not all uh, champagne yeah. and roses on the Queensland side of the fence so it'll be interesting to see what Billy does to put guys in there to fill those holes that we're all up. I'm looking for a good match too, you and I. In, I honestly think if New South Wales can keep their discipline on the field, we can take matches two and three. Good and stuff, Mark. Birthday too. Thanks very much. Yeah, cheers, mate. Bang. Thank you uh, for your call. Uh, we'll keep them coming through. Double eight, double three. Uh, Lucas has texted through as well, wanting a shout out. So I did say text, give us your name and we'll give you a shout out, Lucas. Thanks for listening, brother. Uh, keep listening. And Brad has sent through his New South Wales team. You want to hear it, boys? Yeah, yeah roll, it. roll it out. Okay, so we've got Teddy at fullback, Brian Toru and Stephen Crichton on the wings, Latrell Mitchell and Campbell Graham in the centres, Cody Walker mm. with Reynolds in the half. a whole new backline. Yeah, whole new backline. Payne Haas, Uppy Corusel, Junior Paolo at the front row, uh, Otis Frizzell, Liam Martin, Isaiah Yo, uh, the rest of the forward pack, and then Cook, Murray, Saifidi and Edwards off the bench.
Yeah, so, so Fede Ooh. and Paulo um, got the job done for them last, you know, last year when they came when they came in. So I don't know why Sofide hasn't been given a shot. And mate, Tavita Pangai, I know that someone's you know, a little bit of chat about that. He, he mate, he doesn't get a second crack, not a chance. Yeah. Brad also says happy happy birthday. Is he forty? Never looks so good. Um, I believe you might know <laughs> Brad. <laughs> John has called through on oh eight hundred one five oh eight eleven. John, what do you got on the Origin debate? Uh, you yeah, mate, all I can say is the Maroons supporters, who gives a shit, really? Because um, <laughs> <laughs> at the end of the day, Maroons are going to turn up and waste them in, in um, Suncorp Stadium. Um, Maroons through and through, mate. I actually went to high school over there for a bit. Woodridge High School. Nice. The 414, they call it. The 414. Awesome. <laughs> yep, we had a few. Um, Get up the Who's the halfback? Yeah, the Who's the halfback that you want to see for New South Wales, John? Uh, well, they could put Mickey Mouse there, mate. <laughs> <laughs> no, no. He doesn't care. He's one eye. He, he doesn't care, John. I'll put, thanks, a, I'll put a call into Walt. <laughs> thanks, thanks for your call, brother. Seven away from eight here on SENZ. This is Izzy and Kimby for breakfast. Okay, total plaque release toothpaste from Chemist Warehouse now only six ninety nine. You're listening to Izzy and Kempi for breakfast on SENZ. We're a couple of minutes away from 8 o'clock on Izzy and Kempi for breakfast. Izzy's birthday today, and we've got a caller who wants to say something to you, Izzy. Come on in, Lucas. Hey. Hi, Izzy. <laughs> Happy birthday. We love you, and we love your shows. Oh, that's so oh, cool. Thank you, Lucas. Appreciate it, mate. Whereabouts are you from? Uh, we're from Northwood. Oh, awesome, mate. Go the Tunny Fires. Thanks so much for your call, buddy. You going to school now? Yeah. Oh, you have a lovely day, my friend. Thank you so you much. Too. Cheers, Lucas. Thanks very oh. much for your call. You can call us anytime, 0800 150 or text us double eight double three. We've had some more people through uh, on the state of origin, New South Wales. What do they do? Uh, this one from Andre. Morena, lads. I'm not a New South Wales fan, but they don't need to panic. Mitchell in for Turbo if he's fit, Hines in for Cleary, Burton in for Luai, Pepper with Queensland with Burton Bombs, and then they need Cook back in tandem with Appy. Uh, TJP gets the chop for Saifidi. That is from Andre. What do you what do you make of that, Kempi? Yeah. Yeah, look, I don't think Burton gets a gets a gets a shot. I think Nico Hines, if you're gonna go anywhere no with chance. that combination, maybe Cody, Cody Walker um before Bur- uh, Burton as well. So I don't mind that. I think Graham has to be in there too, the centre. Yeah, I get you, Cam Grover. So, so long as the sternum is recovered. So apparently that was so bad that he couldn't play for the New South Wales but could play for the Rabbitohs. So uh, <laughs> that's, that's a whole other thing. Darren has also said Cody at six, Hines at seven, Latrell at one, and Appy at nine. Thanks for your text. Keep them coming through on double eight double three. That is the tip of bedpost text line. Time to get away to the latest in news and sport with Kubota. Together we are shaping and building New Zealand. SNZ app. Master your facial hair style with 20% off the King C Gillette range from Chemist Warehouse. This is Izzy and Kempi for breakfast on SENZ. Corey Jane standing on the scrum. Carter goes left. And looking to link up with Sonny Bill Williams. Instead, he gives it to Israel. Dag. Dag trying to get on the outside. He 
crazy. Israel Dag scores the first try. And aren't they delighted? Good morning, Izzy Kempe for breakfast on SCNZ. I can't wait for the end of the show and this day moves on. I'm hating those little highlights. Come on, man. It's all all about state of origin and that. (laughs) Come on. I was going to say, after that commentary, maybe we should be calling you Easy Dag. Easy Dag. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Good memories, good memories. Taking on our old rivals over there in Australia. Blitterzoe Cup coming up. Can't wait. The Aussies, long 20-odd years for our Australian trans-Tasman rivals. Ooh. But we're going to be talking some basketball soon, lads, and we've got a big hour ahead. I can't wait to chat to Graham Lowe, Kempi. I know you'll have some great stories for the great man coming up at about 8.40ish. So we'll continue on that league chat, and uh, we'll get through a couple of these messages, shall we, Rick Dog? There's a few piling up there. Yeah, there is, because we did ask earlier... Uh, in the mm. in the uh, show, uh, our can't wait question of the day: the toughest bloke you know, the toughest bugger you know, the toughest thing you've seen after Patrick Tuipulotu finished the game with uh, for the Blues against the Highlanders with a broken arm and didn't realise until afterwards. And we've had uh, lots coming through here, into, including uh, this one from Kevin. He's saying uh, Kevin Tamati dealing to uh, Greg Dowling and putting Dowling in a hospital bed for a while. That Ooh. was that that was a great fight. Well, when I say great fight, it was. Uh, I remember that as a kid, uh, like watching that. Watching the good that. old days. Oh, and mate, honestly, you know, when um, Kevin Tamati, they both got sent off and they walk off and Dowling's ahead and they're chipping at each other and chipping at each other and then Dowling turns around and starts throwing. And Tamati reaches up above him and pulls down a piece of fence on top of him so he can't go anywhere and then just starts uppercutting him. <laughs> it's just like, it was brutal. But oh, I remember it well. Remember Katie, it well, Kippy. Katie, Katie, uh, you I don't know what uh, Dowling was thinking that day. There's a cu- there's a couple of blokes you don't pick on. KT was one of them. There's some great shots of KT. Um, just the way he played. He was another one who played well above his weight as a front rower. Uh, if you see him today and you're standing next to Kevin Tamati, you wouldn't th- you'd nowhere in the world think about those stories because he is nowhere near that that type of size or scary a bloke to stand next to but during his time and uh, I hope he's listening KT because he's a good man uh, He You would have got a clip from him mate Kimpy I, I, st- well, see, I was a 5'8 sm- I, I, I knew who to stay away from Kurt Sorensen KT <laughs> <laughs> nowhere near them the other one mate there's a, there's did a, you, what's that <laughs> did you go did you get in any fights Kimpy any little ruckuses on the field or I know you would have gave a little lip but uh, like myself, lip and, and well, run I was going to say, but... I was going to say to Gary Jack when he was giving me lip the other day. I was, you know, when that scrum broke up when we played Balmain, I never seen him running from fullback. I was, I was right, in, <laughs> I was right in the middle of laying it on Surinan. <laughs> Uh, keep them coming through. Double eight, double three, double eight, three. The toughest bugger, you know. I don't know how tough he is, uh, but he's a good bugger because uh, Adam Murray is, is joining us now to talk NBA basketball. He is a uh, host of Denver Nuggets podcast, head of content at Denver Sports as well. Adam, thanks so much for giving us uh, your time, mate. Uh, I guess you would have been having this chat with us thinking about a day ago that you'd be two zip up having played in Mile High City twice against the Heat. I, I definitely thought that that would be the case. Uh, um, 
Yeah, yeah we might uh, we might try yeah, try and get you back on another line there, Adam. It's just uh, a little hard to hear. It sounds like he uh, Adam's in the car driving at the moment, so we might just try him on another line. Uh, have just heard though through the boss boys uh, that uh, mm. the, the worst kept secret in New Zealand rugby, uh, as you alluded to yesterday, is he? Uh, Rob Penny's just been confirmed new Crusaders coach. <laughs> There's only one man race, that one. <laughs> really. They weren't going to go outside of the region. He's had a big influence here in, in, in Christchurch. So Rob Penny was uh, well, the, the ideal candidate. Um, be interesting to see, see how it all, all unfolds. And he's got a real good connection with the community players. He knows a lot of them. He's coached them in Canterbury. He went over to the Waratahs. That didn't eventuate. He went over north, I think it was Munster. And uh, he's, he's got a lot of experience. So, um, yeah, well done to Rob Penny. Well done awesome. to him and well done to Kez in the kitchen for getting Adam Arias on a better line uh, from Denver Sports and the host of Denver Nuggets podcast. Uh, let's try that again, Adam. Uh, Mile High City, I would have thought you would have been two zip up against the heat, but it wasn't to be. Uh, is it, was it the, the, the Nuggets just didn't put them away? They had, they had the game there to be won, didn't they? I think they did. You know, they made that big run in the second quarter. The energy in the building really picked up, and you had all the momentum. But you have to tip your hat. This Miami Heat team, I think, is the single toughest team in the NBA in terms of physical, mental toughness. They don't break. You can't break them. You have to just keep your foot on them and keep them down because if you give them any life, they'll come back. And that's exactly what happened in that fourth quarter. What's the, what's the key to stopping them? I mean, I, we saw the Celtics do it on a couple of occasions, but it wasn't enough to get over the top. They lost that series 4-3. But there were a couple of games where they managed to stop Jimmy Buckets getting the ball. Is that the key for the Nuggets? You know, I, I don't know that that's necessarily the key. He's been fantastic. What I think it is is game plan discipline, especially off ball. They have some great shooters who are capable of getting hot, making a lot in a row. But you have to be disciplined with the way you switch off ball. And I just went through a rewatch, watched the game for a second time. Denver's switches off ball, their defensive game plan discipline off ball was really poor. And whenever that happens, it's wide open three-pointers for their best three-point shooter. So Jimmy Butler will have adjustments to his game. I think he'll be more of a factor as the series goes on. Mm. But game two, to me, was all about the off ball game plan discipline. Yeah, they started getting open looks, particularly off that first play, or Kevin Love when he missed Gabe Vincent and he gave him the look. But I want to ask you about the conditions. There's a lot of chat about the conditions. No one has gone to uh, Denver and obviously and, and beaten them. That was their first loss in the playoffs. So the conditions, was there a big change? Because I've been thinking about the, the threes in game one, they just couldn't get anywhere near the basket, and it was a struggle. So game two, they made those adjustments with the conditions on offer? Yeah, so if you're talking about Miami's conditions, I, I'll tell you where I think that it all began. You start Kevin Love, and that allows you to put Jimmy Butler on Jamal Murray. And I think a lot of teams look at Denver and say, you can't stop Nikola Jokic, but maybe you could stop Jamal Murray, and that cuts the offense in half, right? So I think that putting Jimmy Butler on Murray really slowed Denver a little bit and made it more of a two-point battle for Denver, not getting a lot of assists, not getting a lot of threes. But it also led to Murray having to guard Jimmy Butler the other direction because you don't want to get cross-matched. And that put a lot of strain on Denver's defense, having Murray have to guard Butler and then having players like Michael Porter Jr. and KCP happen to fight. So for me, that it all started on the other end by having Kevin Love on the court, which freed up Jimmy Butler to be a defensive ace. Maybe. Speaking of freeing up, sorry, sorry, Kimby. Speaking of speaking of freeing up, um, would you know they allowed 
Nikola Djokic to score more. He scored 40, 41 points in game one. He was a bit more of an assist. He got his triple-double, and you know we love seeing yeah. that. Was that part of the plan, allowing him to free him up? Would that allow the opportunities for, for the Miami Heat? Did they walk them into that game plan? Well, I, I mean, I think it's a well-known game plan to, that if Jokic beats you with scoring and passing, then you're cooked. So if you could just take mm. away one or the other... And I do think that they tried to force Jokic into being a scorer, and he did a decent job. I think he can even do a better job of it. But more than anything, it forced guys like KCP and Michael Porter to go long stretches without touching the ball, long stretches without getting open looks. And I think for Michael Porter in particular, he's a player that loses his defensive focus whenever he's not involved in the offense. I think you need to be mentally tougher in the finals, and I think in game three, he's going to have to find a way to impact the game even without scoring. But I think that that, more than anything, less about making him a Jokic a scorer or a passer, it's more about making Michael Porter fall out of rhythm. And they did a great job of that last night. That was by far Porter's worst game of the playoffs. Hey, Adam, they're talking about um, the Heat Celtics being you know, too much of a grind uh, coming into this, this NBA Finals. And then, you know, you've got the Nuggies there that have just waltzed in. And, and it looked like to me that they were a little bit flat. Um, and, and no one's talking about Adebayo and the, and the importance that he, you know, he's come out and had a bit of a game himself too. So how, is, how, how important is Adebayo um, to step up alongside Jimmy Butler? Oh, supremely important. I mean, on both ends of the court, he's a rare example of a guy who plays at a high level on offense and defense, guarding the two-time MVP, Nikola Jokic, and making it hard. I mean, look, Jokic had 41 points. But he still made him work for those. You know, it wasn't an easy 41 points. And then on the other end, he made enough plays both as a passer and as a scorer to make Denver have to work on defense. But I like the point you made first about, you know, a lot of people thought, oh, they coming off a seven game series. Are they going to be tired? This Miami Heat team, their mantra all year is that you wake up every day and you suffer. And that's life, and that's their road to to winning a championship. Don't wake up thinking you have an easy day. There are no easy days. There's no easy moments. There's no easy seconds. It's all suffering. So if you think this team is going to get tired and quit, they have been training their minds for seasons to be ready for the pain and suffering that comes with having to try to win an NBA championship. So I have a lot of respect for them. They are not going to fold under any circumstances. So you're heading away to Miami for the next two games. Do you need to get one on the road there? Or are you confident bringing it back to mile high and and, and having the altitude in your favour down the stretch will get you home? I I am. And, And Denver's a great team. They've been locked in for most of this playoffs. I think that last night was a little bit of a... Uh, a relaxed game from them. You saw they started the game down 10-2, to clearly not ready for the intensity of the game. They started the fourth quarter down 13-2. to Again, not ready for the intensity that goes up in the fourth quarter. So I think that both of those things caught Denver off guard. They hadn't lost in 27 days, whether home or on the road. And I just think it was a reminder that, hey, you don't get to be in third or fourth gear at any point at this level. You have to be in fifth gear the whole time. You have to be locked in, and I expect that Denver will adjust because they've adjusted all playoffs long. What about the impact from Kyle Lowry? Obviously, a title with um, the Raptors. He's coming, and in game one, I was watching, he was trying to lift this team. He's hugely vital for this Miami Heat if they're going to continue on on this run. Oh, no question about it. He's a veteran. He's smart. He doesn't make mistakes on the defensive end, which is, you know, if you make a team beat you, you don't allow, you don't beat yourself. That's half the battle in basketball. But the other thing that's happening with him is 
Jokic is guarding a lot of pick and rolls. And some of the mm. time he gets to drop down. If it's Jimmy Butler, a few other guys, he can drop down in the pick and roll. But when it's the shooters like Max Drews or Duncan Robinson, he has to play all the way up. In game one, he dropped on Kyle Lowry. It allowed him to play safe, to play relaxed, to play easy. In the fourth quarter, to your point, Kyle Lowry started making those pick and roll threes off of the dribble. And so in game, and he made one in game two as well. So that forces Jokic to use a little bit extra energy stepping up to the three-point line and guarding in space. And that's just an extra challenge. So uh, if he continues to make shots, it's going to be a major X factor in game three. Adam, talking about making shots, like they, they keep coming back, the Nuggets. So, you know, the heat, heat we're putting them under pressure and at the end of the quarters they're coming back. Now, are you, a little bit, are you a little bit worried that they have the chance to at least draw the game, take it, in, take it a little bit further yesterday, and they couldn't get the job done? They've done it defensively to stop the heat, but went back down the other end. And I, I thought, oh, here we go, they're going to they're gonna level it up. And they didn't make that shot in an NBA final. Is that a bit of a worry? Um. You know, I don't know if it's a worry. Denver fell behind by, I think, 11 or 12 points in the fourth quarter. And it was a little bit of a miracle that they even got close enough to take a final shot, to, to be within striking distance to, to maybe steal the game. But if Murray and Michael and Michael Malone said this after the game, if Jamal Murray would have made that shot and Denver goes to overtime and wins the game, they would have been lucky. They would have stole the game. So in some ways, I think it is good for Denver to have to go to the tape, see all the mistakes, look themselves in the mirror, and now adjust because I truly believe that the Denver Nuggets are a better team. And I think that if they bring the requisite focus and discipline and energy into game three, they're going to walk away with the win. So this would hopefully be a wake-up game and a wake-up moment. And if Murray made that shot, I just don't know if it would have been that. Adam, give it to us now, mate. Get the, get the, the Nuggets eye patch off. Uh, what is the series <laughs> score? What's, how's this going to be sorted out? I still think Denver walks away with this one, and I think they get it in six games. I came in thinking it would be five. I thought Denver would win both of these games, but um, I still think Denver has more outs. And on rewatch, there's a lot of things Denver can do now to adjust. I wouldn't be surprised if Michael Porter plays a lot less in game three. Bruce Brown plays a lot more. They need def defense and, and, and execution, and Bruce Brown provides that. So I think Denver's going to find a way to split these next two and push this uh, back even coming back home to Denver. Good stuff, Adam Marius. Thank you very much for your time today, sir, and keep up the good work at the uh, Denver Nuggets podcast and at Denver Sports, eh? Thank you so much, Cheers, guys. Adam. Have a good one. Yeah, you too, man. Uh, it is 18 past eight here on SCNZ. It is Izzy and Kempe for breakfast. We were talking about... Uh, before we were talking about NBA, we were talking about the hardest buggers you know and, and New South Wales and uh, what they do for Origin. This is an interesting text that's come through. Uh, Izzy, I would like to get your take on this. Mm. I remember getting a timely placed right elbow from Kempe, Bears v Suburbs early days. That doesn't, oh, it must be a different early. Kempe. Must be. Who? Doesn't sound like our Rob, Kempe. Who's that? Who did you elbow, Kempe? There's about eight of us. <laughs> I, think it, I think it was a missed mis identity, that one. <laughs> is that Glen Oribe, is he saying? No, no, that's the Waitara Bears oh, up against uh, number two suburbs in town. That, like back in those days, that game, it's like your local game, is he? Tamatea, mm. when they would have had a team that they played against. This this what game down in Taranaki at the time. Uh, Western suburbs versus Waitara Bears used to be like, mate, couldn't you couldn't get it was standing standing room only. Bookie Kura Park was sold out when those finals were playing. So, mate, you were you're running with the elbows quite high back in those days because they didn't <laughs> tackle you around the waist. <laughs>
Oh, just to fend them oh, off. Uh, were your so elbows good. as high as uh, Suwali's knees? <laughs> like this, like this. <laughs> Kempe, you would have to, you would have to jump to get that elbow up. You would have been like, "Come here, come <laughs> here." I'm not that short. Uh, this you would have copped a couple. Uh, this one from Ed as well. I've got one, but it's anybody who's ever played 85 restricted rugby league. I watched a game Otara versus Odahu. The hits were brutal, fast-paced, clean hits, tough fellas. Thanks for your text and keep them coming through. Double. Eight double three. It is twenty past eight. This is Izzy and Kempi for breakfast. Thanks to Chemist Warehouse, the real house of fragrance. You're listening to Izzy and Kempi for breakfast on SENZ. Eight twenty-five here on SENZ. Izzy and Kempi for breakfast. Uh, this text just come through. Happy birthday, Izzy! You bloody legend. I'll find you a winner for your birthday present on Saturday at Ruakaka. That's from Cam in Cambridge. Uh, but uh, big news. We touched on it at the top of eight o'clock. Uh, worst kept secret in rugby. You called it yesterday, Izzy. Uh, <laughs> Rob Penny has been announced as the head coach of the Crusaders for twenty twenty-four, and Matt Todd is joining the coaching staff as well. Yeah, great news for Matt. Obviously, huge um, Canterbury man. He's done it all for Crusaders and Canterbury rugby. So, only fitting, which is great because he's obviously transitioned out of playing now. He's finished up in Japan and he's going into his next part of his life. And yeah, I think he's he's an ideal candidate for for that team, mate. What he brings is is uh, uh, pride. He's a very proud Canterbury man. A lot of knowledge, but he's got a big heart and a big ticker. He knows what it takes to win championship rugby and. Uh, yeah, well, I think it's. I think he's on defence, and probably the toughest bloke um, to have him that your defensive team. I remember playing with him in 2017 over in Johannesburg. We went and won the title. I think he made 30 tackles. Now, for a rugby player, that's that's a lot. For league, that's probably normal. But in rugby, he made 30 tackles, no miss. And I was just watching him get up and down and smash these big saffers. Mate, he's he does it all. So, huge news for Canterbury Rugby Crusaders. Rob Penny coming back. Obviously, well experienced, and uh, no surprises they select from within Kempi. It's uh, yeah, it's uh, it's going to be a, a bright time, hopefully. For they're losing a few players, Kempi as well, uh, which will which will be difficult. Richie Moonga is going out, so Taha Kimara, obviously playing for the Twenties, will probably take the role there with Fergus Burke. Yeah, he's um, like you said. When you when you're developing your own and and promoting your own, that's that's what we're talking about yesterday. Is you know how Canterbury. Mm. Do that, uh, do that so well. You know the old boys. Uh, they're not looking outside. They they built a culture. They they actually prophesized that culture themselves by putting people like mm. Penny and Todd in, in place. Um, so I'm not not surprised at all. Not surprised. I'm not surprised that you said it was the worst kept secret down there. Obviously, with a lot going on down there over the last couple of weeks, it would have been the talk of the town. Um, yeah, and I've got no doubt whether you're losing players or not that the uh, the red and black machine will continue to move forward. Uh, Rob Penny's got a head that looks like it's been chiselled out of a side of granite somewhere as well, mate. He's another hard bloke, another loose forward as well. Uh, he's been coaching in Japan. He's coached, obviously, at the Waratahs as well, as well as been an assistant at the Crusaders back in the day. You would have played under him. What sort of coach is he? I've never, I've never played under Rob. He's, um, he was, he was when I made it when I came to Christchurch. He was playing for, he was coaching Canterbury. I was with Hawks Bay, so I, I don't really know from a personal point of view what his coaching style is. Um, but I know he's got a lot of respect from the players, and I think the biggest thing is you want continuity with players. He's been here with a lot of them. And he does it. They know the voice. They know the ideas, and so you know when you got the backing of your crew. 
It's uh, it's vital. Um, but the, there is going to be some challenges, lads. Look, I'll be completely honest. It'll be easy for me to harp on and say they'll be okay. And I'm hearing you, Kempe, like the, the machine will roll on. But you're losing some quality players. You've got Sammy Whitelock, who's shooting off. You, you've got... Um, you know, Braden Enel, maybe potentially Jack Goodhue, there's talks about him maybe shooting off. You've got Richie Moonga. So when you got your 10, you've got um, Mitchell Drummond, who's coming to the end. Um, Noah Hotham will seem, seem, um, seamlessly into that position. And then uh, you, you've got some, some big players that are, that are leaving. But um, Rob Penny, he'll know what he's got to, to offer, and I'm looking forward to it. Yeah, so uh, Matt Todd, Tamati Allison, uh, Dan Perrin, James Marshall are the coaching staff. Uh, and, uh, yeah, Penny uh, obviously coached over in Ireland as well with Munster, so he's got plenty of coaching experience. But it is a bit of a change-up, isn't it? Because this is an older, more experienced coach coming back to New Zealand. What we've seen a, a bit more of in recent years is younger play, uh, younger coaches who are not long out of their playing careers come through, like the likes of Leon and and, and, and Jason Holland and things like that. Yeah, the, the challenges are is just to continue on that connection with the community, and that's what um, Scotty Robinson's done. He's he's really united this Canterbury region, and not only Christchurch, but you go to Timaru, you go to to Nelson. Like it, it's a big part of of what they're about, and, and that's what his biggest challenge is to come back and really unite them and and continue on that on that journey. Go. Uh, so the big news out of uh, Canterbury Rugby and Crusaders Rugby, Rob Penny confirmed to be the head coach of the Crusaders from 2024 onwards. We're coming up to half past eight, time for the latest in news and sport with Aroha. Thanks to Kubota, we are shaping and building New Zealand. Thanks, Aroha. It is now 8.32 and it's time for our catch-up with Paulie Mawari. Bet live on your favourite sports. Download the TAB app today. Money for free, Paulie. How did we go with the heat yesterday, getting that one over the Nuggets? Did you have plenty of people getting paid? Yes, we certainly did. Uh, first of all, uh, happy birthday to Izzy, of course. Um, yesterday, I bought shares in a candle factory and uh, they've gone through the roof. After, uh, after. <laughs> oh. Not bad, old mate. Come on, Paulie. I'm going to let you know a secret. We actually had a cake for Izzy up here, and we put 35 candles on it. The thing collapsed. But anyway, there's plenty, plenty, plenty of cash out there after that upset victory by the Heat yesterday in Game Two of the NBA Finals. Um, I'm still trying to figure out how how Jimmy Butler uh, and, and his team actually do this sort of have got through to the finals and, and have and have won a stolen a game off Denver. Yeah. Um, I mean, you have a look at their team outside of Jimmy Butler, maybe Adebayo and and Lowry. There, there's not a lot of names there. Hero's been injured for most of the playoffs, so we haven't seen him. Um, Kevin Love, oh, I thought he was collecting the pension. Uh, there's just I just don't know how they're doing it. They're, they're, it's a huge 
um, plus, I think, for the Miami organisation um, and just what they've done so far. So it's one all in the series. They head to South Beach Thursday uh, for Game 3. The Miami Heat still slide outsiders. They're $2.15. The Denver Nuggets are $1.68. Don't forget, we've got our Outplayer Pro promotion uh, on all of the games in the uh, NBA Finals. Uh, just head to the uh, TAB website and go to the Punters Lounge and you'll check out all the T's and C's there. But you'll go in the draw uh, if you place a qualifying bet uh, for $25,000 worth of uh, bonus bets. So um, have a little stab on the NBA Finals. At the moment, the Heat's still outsiders, even though they head home for Game 3, $2.15. Hasn't turned the punters off. They love the Heat. They love Jimmy Butler. And they're getting stuck right in. I'll tell you how they get that done. They got they got um they got width in their game. They can stretch the floor with their shooters. They got Robson Robinson on the bench. You got Caleb Martin, who's been relevant in this uh, final series. But you got Max Struess and Gabe Vincent that can swing it from the uh, from the edges as well. So their ability to spread this team, I think that's doing them wonders. But what about the golf? Obviously, Victor Hovland got up. Did anyone get on Victor? And obviously, a top thirty for our very own Ryan Fox. Yeah, no, the punters love Victor. Um, he's my favourite Norwegian, um, and he wasn't missed by punters uh, last week in that memorial tournament at the Jack Nicholas uh, designed, was it, Muirfield Village uh, golf course. Uh, had tough. to go to a playoff, and, and that uh, birdie putt that he made on the 17th hole on the final day uh, was absolutely huge. Um, so I guess he's... We're not far away from the U.S. Open. The Canadian Open is uh, this coming weekend. Um, he's He's got a wee bit of momentum behind him and, and a whole lot of confidence. Yeah. I think a short game has improved out of sight. Um, and, and that was a real sort of, I, I guess, uh, an Achilles heel for him. But um, yeah. I think we saw at Muirfield that that really has... Uh, improved big, big time. I'm just having a look at the U.S. open market uh, as we speak, and Victor Hovland is now $19 uh, to win that. The favourite, still Scotty Scheffler at eight fifty. Uh, John Rahm's at $9. Brooks Kepka, who won the PGA Championship, he's at $10. Rory McIlroy, who is sort of, he's there or thereabouts, but not really going Can't on with things. No, you can't at the moment, can you? He's $11. And, of course, our very own Ryan Fox, who's out at $151 to win the US Open. Nice, Paulie. Well, Get up, Foxy. There you go. Watch and beat live on your favourite sports and racing at tab.co.nz. Please gamble responsibly. R18. Don't worry, Paulie. We've got one for you on Thursday. We'll chat then. Um, but uh, you're not going to know where that's coming from at the moment. We'll just have to wait and see. We will indeed. Paulie, thank you for your time, brother. Go well. Have a great day. We'll catch up with you tomorrow. Up next, uh, another great man, Graham Lowe, joins us to talk State of Origin. Purchase any Lipo sachets from Chemist Warehouse for your chance to win a Samsung Bespoke home package. You're listening to Izzy and Kempi for breakfast on SENZ. Eighteen away from nine, and not too far away from State of Origin two either. And a man who knows uh, a thing or two about State of Origin is former former Maroons coach and Kiwis coach as well, Sir Graham Lowe. He joins us on the phone. Morning, Graham. How you doing? I'm pretty good, thanks. Nice to be on again. Nice to have you on, mate. Nice to have you on. We had the news over the weekend uh, that Nathan Cleary is out for the rest of State of Origin after tearing his hamstring. Uh, and obviously, 
they're down one zip in the series, got to go to Suncorp. Uh, so, I mean, the question is, I guess, you've been there in, in, in the heat of origin, mate. If you're coaching New South Wales at the moment, what do you do? Well, you know, the, um, it's, a, it's a massive blow for them losing Nathan Cleary. There's no doubt about that. You know, he, he, has, the, mm. he has really the... He um, could be the most influential guy on the field for, you know, both teams. But um, anyhow, it didn't go that way last Wednesday night. And, and now he's ruled out with injury. And that's a tragic blow. The big thing now is what, what do they do? And Nico Hines, to me, uh, should have been on... New South Wales, mate, I, I think they made a tactical blunder not putting him on much earlier and not putting him on in a position that he could have influence in the game much earlier. But obviously now he's got to be at the top of the pick. Um, you'd think so anyhow when they're looking at a replacement for Nathan. Lowe, just talk a little bit about that um, that technical blunder, you know, putting Nico Hines out there at right centre, Munster skips around him, throws that ball to the hammer, who then just lets down and, and scores that try at that crucial time. What, what, why is it so important if you're going to if you're going to have a player like Nico Hines to to utilise him better, and especially in the position that he's normally playing? One of one of the hardest things in, in coaching is bringing off a player who you know is a crowd favourite. You know who's an influential player in the in the team. It's it's a real and and you don't want it. You, you're worried about any momentum you might have at the time. Nico Hines is a, is a out and out half of five eight, um, and it's it's an acquired it's a really acquired skill. Having them out a little bit wider, I th- I think left them exposed. But worse than that, I think the the tactical blunder was the New South mm. Wales coaching staff weren't able to read what was actually starting to happen in the game, and they left it too late. They left it miles too late. They should have replaced one of the halves and put Nico Hines in then. Is this focus on New South Wales playing into Queensland's hands even more now that um, all this carry-on's going off the field? Like, you've seen how they were un- able to unravel this team in Game 1. Obviously, that last 10 minutes, they had a hell of a lot of players outside of position, 12 players on the park, but seemed to find a way. Is all this focus on New South Wales playing into Billy Slater's hands? I don't think it's just it's just noise to the Queenslanders. It made me smile. That mm. The great thing about New South Wales, they've actually got dozens and dozens and dozens of people that know how to know how to beat Queensland. They've got dozens of them, New South Wales. The trouble is they're all mm. in the media. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, that's my point. That's my point. Uh, Lowie, Freddie made a lot of chat, uh, you know, with his initial selection, and you know, Jerome Luai, for example. Uh, that that was one that raised a few eyebrows, given he hasn't played particularly well this season. But Freddie was all about on picking combinations. Now that Nathan Cleary's out, does that mean Luai's gone as well? Do you think? I don't know. Um, you know, combinations do do play a massive role, and and it's going to take some thinking. And but I mean, these are these are particularly Nico Hines is a is a player who strikes me as a person who could. As long as he's got the steering wheel, he could steer it. He could steer the team anywhere, and it doesn't really matter who the wheels are on the on on either side. Um, so I, I don't think it. I don't think it's too much of a worry. Luai, I think, is a good. He's a good Origin player. He's a, he's an aggressive player. He's he's in their face all the time. He's causing little issues on the field right throughout the whole eighty minutes. So you know, I'd be I'd be very surprised if they left him out. Um, yeah. In fact, I don't think they can. 
but Nico Hines has to go in there, and he he's the, he's the sort of player that can make a heck of a difference. But I mean, what we saw unfold was just typical of what's happened since 1980. I can remember the media vividly, absolutely vividly, in 1980. I was over there in Brisbane, listening to the media, listening to the crap, and nothing's changed. Nothing has changed. <laughs> Right up to 2023, <laughs> the same stuff being spoken, and they still haven't learned. No, no, and they, and and I don't think they'll ever learn, Lowy. Just you got enough stars in that in that Brisbane side, uh, that Maroon side, anyway. You know, um, the halves, the fullback, Reese. You know, he played he played outstanding. But how important are the likes of Ruben Cotter? He picks up player of the day, Lowy, and and it's that position where. There isn't a hell of a lot of um, grace around it. You know, it's a head-down, bum-up type position. But every year in State of Origin, you see a player like a like a Ruben Cotter step up and turn in something um, outstanding. How do, how do Queensland keep producing them? Well, I think they just picked the, the right players, Kempe. And, and you did. That, that, that They are unsung heroes in many ways, those guys. And, and a lot of people don't realise it, but Origin... You know, some players are fantastic NRL players, but they wouldn't make it in Origin for whatever reason. And yet, some players who doesn't don't look all that flashy in NRL are absolutely made for Origin. I don't. There's a chemistry. Um, you, I, I know you, you can smell it, you can see it, you can feel it when you're when you're in the camp. You can feel the difference. It's like I, I can still remember, like it was this morning, um, the difference I could feel from Manly, for example, when I was. I was with Manly and then stepped into the Queensland camp. It raised to a level that, I, that just absolutely blew me away. I didn't think it would go that high. Just the feeling before we even started playing. And and there's there's players you would have played with plenty of them, I suppose, Kempi. That there's guys that that um, that just can get things. You, they're just reliable people who you know can get things done, and they've got the toughness because the the, the toughness that's required at that level in state of origin. Really, is quite extraordinary, and, and um, somehow, somehow, Queensland, um, they do. They've got, you know, obviously Billy's got a great eye for talent. He's got a great support group around him, and the, the great thing about those sort of players, I think that I think that in the first in that first game, there's a lot of improvement in some of the Queensland stars. Um, Queen, you know, Queensland better known yeah. or better, you know, a game game game. Uh, winners and look at Cherry Evans for a start. You know, I think Cherry had a fantastic game, but I know that he can go to another level. I, I know that he will go to another level again, and he and he's a fan, he's a fantastic player. But there's guys like that. Um, there's I, I I actually I truly believe with my hand on my on my heart that there is a lot of improvement in the Queensland team. I know there is in the New South mm. Wales team, but there's a heck of a lot mm. to come in, the, in and as well. And when you add the crowd to them up there, I'm lucky I'm going to this game. But when you add the crowd up there, that's you know that's got to be worth a few points up, up at Suncorp because it is quite different. Yeah, and and that's a scary part of it. Is, is there a concern, Lowy, that and I don't know how Billy deals with this that uh, losing Cleary actually has a and the opposite opposite effect on Queensland and they take the second game lightly. Well, they they definitely won't take the second game lightly. There's too much. There's too much. One of the one of the things that Queensland is good at is retaining history and remembering the heroes. There's too much history and there's too much um, close. There's too many influences close around the team, positive influences 
that we've never allowed that to happen. Lowie, just before we let you go, mate, you've been in, in that seat, as I mentioned earlier. Every year, it seems, the teams come out before game one, everyone goes, well, look, yeah, that New South Wales team looks unbeatable. And the Maroons, more often than not, knock them over. How do they keep doing it? Well, you know, it's, you, you always, you've got, to learn, you've got to learn from your history. That, that's mm. You get the lessons from history and the, you only look to the future for hope. And then if you can get those combinations going good, and you've only got to look at the history. It's, look, at, look at NRL 360, which, which you know, is very, very well watched here over in New Zealand. It is just so pro New South Wales. It's unbelievable. The, the Queensland influence just sits there most of the time and just nods and smiles and nods and smiles, while the other the other guys uh, tell you how New South Wales is going to win. <laughs> Backs to the wall, yeah. them against us, the big yeah, brother, cool. little brother thing. I get it, mate. I get it. Hey, Lowy, thanks very much for coming on this morning, mate. Really appreciate your time. Go well and uh, travel safe up to uh, Brizzy for that uh, game too, eh? I will, and I'm, I'm, I've got an absolute pleasure coming up for me in another hour or so. I'm going to have a cup of tea with Dane Sorensen, who's over here for, um, oh, for nice. a few days. So I'm going to with Dane and, and talking rugby league. There's been none none better, really, in this country that's pulled on a Kiwi jersey. Say hello. Yeah, Lowy, say hello say for hello. us. Yeah. yeah, yeah, definitely. Thanks, Lowy. Go well. Okay. Cheers, mate. Uh, there you go. Eight awesome. away from nine here on SCNZ. It's always good to have Lowy on. Give us gives that perspective, eh? And that is something that I guess plays into it. Maybe oh. that's part of part of you know where uh, Lowy picked it up. You know, when he was a Kiwis coach, we're always the underdog to, to mm. the Kangaroos, and, and and the Maroons was much the same thing. The thing I got out of that is Gary Jack come on our show and you ask the question, Kippy, have you ever gone back and you know been a part of that team? No. Well, there's an identity, and you here in Graham like always remembering the past, the people that have gone before us, the history that's involved with the game. Queensland have got that through and through, and on the flip side, well, Gary Jack hasn't been to a game. Someone that's donned the jersey and done so much. So there you go. It's all in there. Yeah, it's a good point, Izzy. Really good point. Uh, it's three away. Sorry, seven away from uh, nine o'clock. We're going to catch up with the Doyen and Smith shortly.